1: Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf, and you're listening to Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, a podcast all about giving you simple and sustainable strategies to help you live your happiest and healthiest life. In today's podcast, I'm replaying an interview I did on my good friend Lewis Howe's podcast, School of Greatness. This was really one of my favorite conversations. Lewis and I discussed the differences between the mind and the brain, how mental health is not on the rise, but the mismanagement of mental health is how to manage our minds in response to stress and trauma, and so much more. But before we begin, I want to remind you, you can listen to exclusive ad-free content on Patreon. This month's bonus episode is all about how to wire out any harmful effects from COVID and non-COVID. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Leaf for more info. And as always, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. Please always consult with your personal physician or appropriate medical personnel for medical issues. And now, let's begin with today's episode. Before we dive into today's podcast, I want to tell you about an exciting new project, one many of you have been asking for, which is now open for enrollment. My NeuroCycle Certified Facilitator Programme. This program is a four-day in-person training with me where you'll learn the fundamentals of my theory and the neurocycle so you can use these strategies with your clients and to elevate your coaching business or private practice. Our first training is August 3rd through 6th and takes place in Dallas, Texas. When you become a certified facilitator, you'll join our exclusive directory which goes out to hundreds of thousands of people looking for extra help with their mental health. This means that finding clients will become even easier and you'll become part of our private network of facilitators where you can meet and connect with like-minded individuals, get help and have access to many great resources. Spots are extremely limited and already filling up. So if you're interested, just go to neurocycleinstitute.com for more details and to register for our first training. And for just a few days, we're offering 25% off. Just use the code inorg. 25. That's I-N-A-U-G 25. The link in details will be in the show
0: notes. How important is, is food when we are looking to detox our brains in general? How important is the foods we put in our body for our brains?
1: I'm so glad you asked that question. And just quickly to pick up on uh, I was telling you just before we started how people are still commenting Mm. after like but like weeks later, months later after the last podcast on how they love your show and how they loved our conversation. So thank you for the opportunity. No, really you're a great interviewer and it's just wonderful chatting to you. Food is such an important thing. So basically we know that and but it does have a massive impact. But what's so much so what for me is so interesting about the food side is the fact that our mind controls the digestive system. Mm. So our mind is our aliveness. So the difference between you and I and a dead person is our mind. So for our gut to function and to be able to digest all the parts of our gut to be able to digest food, our mind's actually running the show. And most people don't actually think about it like that. But if you're eating a really healthy, organic, sustainable, farm-to-table, local, all the right to know the real food, right. the, Not the GMO, definition, dairy food. the whole what, yeah, and you, but you're in a, in a, in a mood. Or you're not dealing with something traumatic. You know, you're not dealing with an issue that's um, like a relationship issue. You're just in a bad state of mind as you're eating. You will. You could lose up to eighty six percent of that nutrition just by the state of your mind because your mind is driving your your is your mind is basically. That whatever you're thinking about is activated in your mind, in your brain, and in your body. And then your enteric nervous system, the whole thing is activated. And your enteric nervous system, which is the connection between the mind and the brain, this feedback loop, is driving the whole process. So, being driven by your mind. So, it responds very, very quickly. There's a very quick, direct link between mind, brain, gut very very fast it's throughout the whole body but it's extremely fast to the mm-hmm. gut and the gut has as many neurons in as the spinal cord so we have about 300,000 neurons in our gut as we as which is about the amount we have in our spinal cord so we, we probably you probably know, you would have heard of it the gut brain connection mm-hmm. and these in the last 10 years it's become a huge field of research in the microbiome and all that stuff and how that's very good a lot to do with our intelligence and how serotonin 95% is in the gut and 90% of dopamine and so all these things there's such a relationship But what we don't always think about is that that thought that you're thinking in your mind is actually activating and growing that whatever you're thinking about and whatever you're adding on, changes are happening in the brain, that's going to your gut. And everything involved in the process of digestion, including the pancreas and the gallbladder and the different parts of the intestine, the stomach. Everything is being driven by these energy waves from the mind. So if our thought is toxic, you can, for example, let's just take one of the organs, the pancreas. The pancreas secretes 20 different neuropeptides that are required for the assimilation of food. And if you are in this mood or worried or anxious or not dealing with something or having a fight with someone, those 20 neuropeptides won't be secreted properly or maybe wow. only a few of them. And that's going to impact everything else. And then you just don't digest. The bloating people get, the gut issues, the sore, sore stomachs, or leaky gut. Constantly not dealing with our stuff wears down the lining of the gut. I mean, it just creates inflammation. The, the back, gut bacteria get affected. Your good bacteria go into hiding. And it's like a million different things. So that is so important. So I like to talk, Lewis, about the mindset behind the meal as opposed to just the meal and mm. we focus so much on the food and diet that i think we've forgotten the most important component which is mind. so i think that should be we should manage that first and then <sighs> use that to manage
0: so can the you eat, aspects. so can you eat um bad foods and still have a good mindset around it and process those foods in a healthy way so you actually <laughs> be take, awesome. t- take the nutrients out of it or it doesn't affect you, your gut, or your, you're, you know, building fat cells or whatever with this greasy fr- fried, um, you know, sugary processed foods. <laughs> Could you still have a healthy body with the right mindset or do you also need the right nutrients and the right mindset to you go. You need handle. you need
1: both. You need okay. both. Eventually, that junk food is going to accu- accumulate yeah. in your body, and we, you know we know that we are eventually going to create an environment because our brain and body are the environment for the mind to operate in. So, if the environment of the brain and the mind are affected physically by you know, junk food, and as you said, Mm -hmm. the processed foods and things, it is going to wear the body down. Those excess chemicals, they, you know, they cause leaky gut. They do all those things to the cardiovascular system. I mean, we know there's just so much research around that. So it's both, it's both. But But what what I'm
0: hearing you say is you could have all the healthiest foods and be thinking toxic thoughts or in – uh, uh, you know, abandoning yourself over and over, or staying in the wrong relationship, or not speaking up for yourself, or not forgiving something from your past and holding on to that, and you—it won't do much for you to have those healthy foods, or it might create inflammation still, or have leaky gut because of the mindset. Is that I'm here? Exactly.
1: That's exactly what I'm saying. Wow. And that's that's an aspect that people don't recognize and it's not spoken about. It's not studied enough. It's, you know, we always talk about four pillars or three pillars. People talk about diet, exercise, managing stress, as though they're three separate components. Meanwhile, the driving force is your mind because if you're dead, none of those other things matter anyway. So your mind is your aliveness and it drives, the, drives all the others. So we've got to focus on the mindset because you, you maybe, how many times do we hear of people that they're in their early 50s and they've been exercising and they've been eating well, and they seem to have, they're always smiling and they seem to be fine and they drop down dead or they, they have suicide. a heart
0: attack or something. Yeah. yeah, they
1: have a heart attack or they, you know, they, yeah, something like that. And think, how? I mean, they're so healthy. So your, your mind overrides that benefit. So mm-hmm. you're, you've got to think of mind creates the changes in the brain, which then, which, and, in, and the changes in the body that are either strengthening strengthening the environment of brain and body or weakening. And if you cumulatively don't manage the toxic issues in your life your your body is slowly but surely changing the, the the brain body environment slowly but surely changing in the wrong direction, so we move between a percentage of thirty five to ninety eight percent increased in vulnerability mm. to disease. the more we unmanaged, the more we have an unmanaged mind
0: so I have two questions. The first one I ask is about. What are the most important practices for first detoxing the brain? And then I want to talk about the mind afterwards, but what are the, the actual practices for detoxing the brain?
1: So the so the mind is going to do the detoxing. So the primary the primary thing is that the mind detoxes. So the brain isn't self generated generating, and um, like genes aren't aren't um it's it's there's a fancy terminology for it, but basically it means that the genes genes can't switch themselves on. The brain can't change itself. And we often hear the brain we often hear in the media things like the brain can change itself. But if you did me a dead brain and show me a change and it doesn't change. But if I put QEGs and FMRIs on you and I right now in this conversation, we'll see massive changes happening inside of our brain. So mm. the first aspect is brain health is very reliant on mind health. Mm. And that is that is very primary. And so mind health is very much around keeping a messy mind managed. So I'm not sure if we spoke about this in the last interview because we spoke about so much stuff. But <laughs> what I how I explain it is that we've got a messy mind and a wise mind. And that's like coming for and we can define each of those but basically your messy mind is it's experimental um, every moment is an experimental moment in the life of a human when you're awake because you don't know what's happening next to you. We can't control people, events, or circumstances. So everything is chance that's coming up in the next few moments. We can predict to a certain level of accuracy of what's coming up. And the more familiar you are with an environment and people, the more accurate your prediction. But it's still a prediction, it's not mm-hmm. an accurate fact. So based on that, we are very experimental. And um, that is okay. We have a psycho neurobiology, mind, brain, body, is very geared to experimentation it's very geared to hypothesizing so we live a very high, hypothesizing type lifestyle it's all happening very fast on the unconscious level and so we hypothesize and experimenting and we make mistakes but that's okay because in a mistake if you're managing it you'll you'll take the messiness and you'll repair it and you'll grow so it's kind of experiment mess repair grow experiment succeed mm-hmm. don't then you grow and, and you're kind of doing this all day long in everything that you do relationships work relaxation sports whatever um so that process is something that we are designed to go through the problem is that brain health is and that's brain, that'll bring brain health and that'll bring body health because it's mind brain body um Mm. but if we are have a messy mind only and we don't manage it or we only manage it intermittently because our mind's always working it never switches off until you die so it's working at night you dream with your mind you you can even Train yourself to dream differently. I mean, that's how mm. powerful the mind is. You can, and I'm about to do a research experiment on that, where you can train your mind to train your brain to actually change things like nightmares and things like that, which wow, is super interesting. Cool. So it's, it's really interesting. So, in other words, messy mind, messy mind, brain, messy body. So that's really vital. So that us be the first thing. The second messy thing messy
0: mind, do, messy brain, messy, brain, messy, messy body. body. Yeah. So it's you can't, you can't detox the brain or the well, I guess you could detox the body a little bit by not by the physical environment, the substances you put in your body. But what I'm hearing you say is, if you don't learn to detox the the mind first, you won't get the optimal benefits of exactly. that environmental uh, substances.
1: Exactly. So, for example, if you go and do a workout, but you go and do a workout with an attitude of oh, "I just got to get it over and done with," or um, "I hate this," or "I wish this over," and if you I, I, Never let yourself do that when you're working out, because as soon as you do, you send a message to every DNA, every part of every cell of your body to actually go into like a almost like a um, a freeze mode. You know, when people are starving and then their body hangs on to food. If mm. you send that message to your body that you don't want to be here while you're exercising, you actually reduce your um, the DNA's functionality and it drops down. Your benefit drops in in the exercise routine. Wow. So you may be doing the most amazing workout, but your mind will determine the effectiveness and the benefit of the workout. So, it's got to be mind, but we do have to eat properly. I and mean, I've written books thinking, eat yourself smart. I, I am a avid, avid believer in eating healthy and, and, um, and we can talk about that real food and exercise every day. I'm, I've just come out of hot yoga two hours ago and <laughs> sauna, infrared saunas. I do it all. I do everything that I can do possibly because I am looking after the organs through which my mind works. Mm. So, I'm trying to create a very compatible relationship between them because there's a magical relationship between them, which we've got. As to- has there it. ever
0: been a time where you? I mean, you've been studying this for decades, thirty-eight years. Yeah, yeah. decades. 84, 84, I mean, when you yeah. were like six years old, you started studying this. So, um,
1: <laughs> it was kidding. there ever
0: a time during your intense research where you knew this, but you were practicing something different? Maybe you're eating clean and you were working out, but you were like, "Gosh, I don't want to be here," or "I'm stressed out by this or my work or whatever it is," and you you saw the negative effects of that. And then was there a time when you switched it? I'm assuming there was. And you never went back and you started to see other benefits.
1: Definitely. It's been up and down. I've always been very driven. So I've always been very into exercise and, and um, throwing myself into everything. So everything I do, I throw myself into 100%. But as, I, as I've gone through life experiences, you know, having – I've got four children and the adult children. And that comes with its own incredible joys but incredible challenges. And as you would know, and <laughs> um, so – there's been times where you, you know, even like in I've been married for 34 years and we have an incredible marriage, but we've had our ups and downs. So whenever there's been, it's the relational stuff that's grabbed me the most. Really? and um, It seems like
0: relationships are yeah. the things that bring people the most joy and the most pain. It's
1: because we are enhanced by each other. And that's something we should talk about, enhancement mm-hmm. versus comp- competitive culture and the whole deep meaningful relationship thing. That is such a cool, incredible concept. And it goes beyond Darwin back to Lamarckian theory and that kind of stuff but it's really and it, it does impact so to, to answer to it's a great thing to discuss so in, in terms of i mean also there's been like over the years business stuff and things but i think the mm. thing that's affecting me the most where i find myself maybe working out at orange theory or something and something's happened in a relational s- situation and i find myself so absorbed with that that i'm, I'm exhausted on the treadmill i can't so then Get i
0: focus you don't and i'm
1: just not able to do what i could normally do so then i immediately will switch back and say okay i'm here Now for myself, for this, I need to, I need to, I can't help others unless I'm actually building my own body up and I discipline my mind. I catch it, push it back into that mode of totally focusing on what I'm doing. And it shifts completely. Suddenly I have all the energy in the world and there's Mm. a difference.
0: Is that part of getting rid of the messy mind?
1: It's managing the messy mind. We never get rid of our messy mind. We need to be friends with our messy mind. Mm. It's a very nice concept. What what is the messy
0: mind? What is it? What's it feel like?
1: The messy mind is the experimental mind, as I was mentioning. So basically, it feels like I don't know what I'm doing, or someone, I'm kind of like I'm not sure what I'm doing. I don't know if this is right, if this is okay, if this is the. It's it's also things like someone says something to you and you react, and you realize, Oopsie, I said the wrong thing, or I misheard, or I made an assumption, or um, I'm being. Uh, you see a pattern in your in your life where you keep on reacting to certain things, or you see that you're waking up in the morning complaining all the time, and you know that that's that's messy mind. So it's where where we find ourselves feeling discomfort feeling like something's just not right feeling ourselves irritable worked up all those 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 emotions those are messy mind and those are totally fine now here this is so fascinating because those are are fine if they're managed so what we need to do is own them give ourselves permission to experience them because you cannot grow unless you understand what they feel like so get irritated not, I'm not saying choose to get irritated, but if you get irritated, own it, and then say, okay, well, why did I do this? What can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? That's a managed mind. That's what our neurobiology is designed to do. Mm. We're not designed to be these perfect toxic positivity creatures. We are very <laughs> we're very normal. Yeah, we're not supposed to be these. We, we, it's, it's okay to get, it's okay, to, it's way better to actually get frustrated and say, oh, I'm so sorry, I got frustrated yeah. because of, I'm not going to do it, I'm going to do it later. Next time, or whatever. Mm. That's so
0: normal. What's the difference between toxic positivity and wise mind?
1: Okay, so wise mind is the ability to recognize I don't have, I don't know everything i need other people i um, i recognize i've hurt other people i recognize it's okay to cry it's okay to be sad it's okay to be depressed i recognize that anxiety depression these are signals and when my body aches this that's telling me something it's the wisdom to stand back and see another perspective it's the it's having deep discussions like this where you explore philosophy and explore that's wise mind it's if you ask me um, for advice on something or i asked you for advice on something and you gave me advice wise mind when you talk to your your kids and your 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 partners or your friends and you say hey this happened what do you think and they give you advice wise mind Mm. so wise minds in all of us but we don't tune into it sufficiently and it's at the core of our being and and we see this um playing out in the neurobiology because we don't have any um any proteins or right let's take it from the organs to the cells to the the, the parts of the cell down to the subatomic particles. We have nothing in our entire phys- physique, physical body and brain that is for toxicity. What we, uh, we what we have is for managing it. So that's so different. We so in other words, we have grace to make mistakes. And yeah. toxic positivity is all about like kind of almost putting a band-aid it's like a band-aid on a wound it's it's one of my friends says band-aid on a bullet wound um i mean you can't put a band-aid on a bullet wound and that's what toxic positivity is doing and things like gratitude statements and af- affirmations if used incorrectly for but are very much tools of the toxic positivity movement mm. but if you're not dealing with your issue you can't just slap a positive affirmation on or a gratitude statement or practice it's not going to do anything
0: so how do you're you kidding yourself so should we use mantras and affirmations is there a way to use them in a positive way, an effective way, I should say? Or, oh, definitely. So, definitely. How, how do we use mantras, tools, affirmations, a- positive attitude without it um, being toxic positivity?
1: I would do the way that I explain that is you do it in step five of the neurocycle. So, <laughs> the system I've developed for over 38 years, which is basically a delivery system for how to. It's not a technique, it's a delivery, like, like Amazon. Amazon's a delivery system that works brilliantly. Even, even if you don't like Amazon, it works. The system right. works. It delivers anything, anywhere, anytime. Then the concept of the neurocycle is is a system of how we can directly manage our mind, our, get our wise mind talking to our messy mind to direct the neuroplasticity of our brain to be able to then move in the right direction and accept the ups and downs of life and get that sense of peace, which is not toxic positivity. It's actually a sense of peace. It's an acceptance of the uncertainties of life so on. So um, what I have found from my research is that if you have an issue in your life and there's something that you're backing with, so maybe it's just that you wake up complaining every morning or something. I'll take something like that because it was discussions recently I had with someone and something I used to do, I used to wake up like worked up in the morning and I got that under control and it changed my life completely because really? it wrecks your brain. Totally wrecks your brain, wrecks the day. And you can chat about that too in more detail if you want. But that's so what we what I what you've got to do is you've got to recognize that um if you are in um if you are if there's something you're trying to work on. So let's say that there's a complaining thing just by saying okay i'm going to wake up in the morning and i'm going to say 10 gratitude statements instead of 10 complaining statements that's going to work for a time it will not be sustainable because all you're doing is slapping a band-aid on a a bullet Mm. or you're chopping the head of the of the weed and it will grow back as we know if you go chop the head of the weed they will grow back a ritual is a daily practice that helps you stay grounded it's an intentional act where you take a few minutes to reconnect with and take care of yourself Daily rituals are meaningful and help you become the person you want to be by supporting your mental well-being. And taking Ned's De-Stress Blend is a great mental self-care ritual of the day. It helps me set my intentions and mentally prepare for my work tasks. But the best part about Ned is what happens after you take it. When I take the De-Stress Blend, I do feel amazing all day. This de-stress blend is a USDA-certified organic formula that puts the spotlight on two powerful cannabinoids, CBG, which is known as the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is at combating anxiety and stress by working around the neurotransmitter GABA. And of course, needs tried-true CBD extracted from the world's purest full-spectrum hemp in the foothills of the Colorado Rockies. This blend also features a botanical infusion of ashwagandha, an amazing Ayurvedic adaptogen that enhances your body's resilience to stress, cardamom and cinnamon cinnamon is a powerful prebiotic and cardamom helps combat stress by supporting healthy blood pressure and cortisol levels i love that all ned's products are science-backed nature-based solutions and they are chock full of premium cbd and a full spectrum of active cannabinoids terpenes flavonoids and trichomes in fact ned's full spectrum hemp oil nourishes the body's endocannabinoid system to offer functional support for stress sleep inflammation and balance plus they share third-party lab reports who farms their products and the extraction process or on their site no wonder they have over 2,000 five-star reviews upgrade your mental self-care ritual and become the best version of yourself by getting 15% off Ned's De-Stress Blend with the code Dr. Leaf at checkout go to helloned.com forward slash Leaf or enter the code Dr. Leaf at checkout that's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash Leaf to get 15% off the link and details are in the show notes
0: so it's not, it's not getting to the root of exactly. you have to uh, find why course. don't you just feel appreciation at all times, not try to act appreciation.
1: That's it. It's not a being, it's a doing. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to find out why whatever you're doing is a reason because at your core, your identity is this wired for love nature in our neurobiology and in our mind. We see that in the love waves of the physics of the mind and the gravitational mm-hmm. fields and things. We see that in the, that literally the, the. It, it, the quantum physics has shown us that we immerse in gravitational fields that are, and you, they change when there's negativity. So when people are angry and fighting, it's different. When there's a lot of war, you can feel it. You can walk into a room and you can feel that stuff. So essentially, our environment is very, it's all very, this is all very. Deep stuff, and it's all very real stuff too. And it's and it's not something that we can ignore because it's very. We all experience this, so um, yeah, you can't just go and say um, ten gratitude statements. You have to find out why. I am complaining. I'm showing Mm -hmm. up for a reason. There's a reason why I'm doing this. At my core, I'm this wide, full of person. So if I'm waking up complaining, or if I'm always irritable in certain situations, this triggers me all the time, or if I have certain patterns, there's a reason. Don't be hard on yourself. Be kind to yourself. Give yourself grace and just find the reason. And it's such an easier way, so much of an easier way to live, Lewis, than like beating yourself up or forcing yourself to be something else. Just say, okay, I wake up complaining. Why? Mm -hmm. And then go and solve it, and that's where you can then work through the process of solving it. And it's a very sequential time process. That's why these five steps you do over mm-hmm. time. And when you find the root, then you can do the positive affirmations. It becomes the step five. Right. Then it works because you're actually doing it in the right place.
0: What was the biggest challenge for you to overcome mentally with your messy mind that was holding you back? You know, something that was took a long time for you to finally like. Okay, I know the science. I know the research. I've been teaching this, but I still haven't been able to do this myself. What's that been for you?
1: Two things: the complaining in the morning, waking up very negative in the morning,
0: and that how long is, were you doing that for?
1: Oh, for years. I I remember from I remember the what it was like all through the first few years of our marriage, and I remember as a at, at high school, to wake up in the morning like on edge and anxious, and so for years. And I remember one day my husband saying to me, "We've been married for about." I uh, have maybe 10 years or something and he turned around and said to me you are always so negative in the morning and he wakes wow. up bright and happy and goes, go away you're too happy for me in the morning you know it's like it was and he just said you're always negative in the morning and I didn't until he pointed that out to me mm. I hadn't realized I was doing it but it affected the first half of my day and would keep me in a kind of negative state and here I'm doing all this brain research and as soon as I did the research I'm like this I would go into a high because it immediately as soon as my work immediately um, mm. changed things because it's brain building and, and that's really important. For mental health, brain building is something that we definitely need to explore in this discussion because it's phenomenal. Okay. Anyway, so brain, so that, so complaining was set my because uh, it basically creates neurochemical chaos. Now, when you wake up in the morning, as you're going from sleep to wakefulness, there's a massive shift in neurochemistry and brainwave activity, and literally things that were flowing this way now flow that way, and the brainwaves all that delta is very high, and now suddenly it drops down, and theta will change, and, and beta comes on board, and so there's a Whole shifting pattern. And if you don't manage that moment, you can set yourself up for failure for the whole day or have mm. a miserable day. And everything just becomes so much harder. So it's just a matter of mind managing it. And, and I trained myself. It took me s- uh, multiple cycles of 63 days using the oh. neurocycle to train it. But it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. It actually took me, about, it honestly took me about, um I think it was two cycles, if I stand corrected, two cycles. So it's 18 weeks, um which is not that long if you think I've been doing it for maybe 20 years. Right. And the other thing that held me back, which I've been doing from a child as well, was if only I was, I, I used to say if only to everything. And mm, I used to if lose only this.
0: Them. If only I would have got this opportunity. If only this wouldn't have happened to me. If only whatever.
1: If only I said it this way, if only I did it that way, if mm. only we had this much more time on this holiday. If only, and one day, one of my daughters and I've got four kids and my second daughter, two, two, three of my daughters actually work for me. The one who's my producer, Dominic, turned around to me and she said, mom, you are spoiling this holiday because I was going on about all the if-onlys as we were leaving the holiday. And it was, once again, it took a a, a person in mind close to me to actually turn on and say, you know, we should stop. And it was a child. I was like, oh, "Gosh, I'm having this impact on my child." Wow. And I went into a, and that took me much longer because I had been doing it for so long. And that was, I, even now on my, um, I have an app called the Neurocycle app, and it's it's on iTunes and Google Play, and it's it's, oh, it's literally me giving you therapy, t- taking you through the Neurocycle. I use that every day. For, for, I mean, literally, I mean, I know the system off my heart, but I use that to reach your reminders because you can type it in, and every day, seven times a day, still, it pops up on my phone. Remember your if onlys. So I no longer do it, but I still remind myself. And I now can just glance and remember and I can catch myself like that. So I've become 81% more effective in managing something that was so toxic to my mental health that it has completely revolutionized my life.
0: So I cannot tell
1: you how when that's we, changed my when life. We,
0: I can imagine when we come from a place of if only, what is that saying about us and our life?
1: That nothing will ever satisfy you.
0: Wow. Nothing
1: will ever give you peace. You will always be looking for the grass is greener on the other side. Man, that you sounds can,
0: exhausting.
1: It's it's exhausting. You you constantly can't see what you've got because you're always thinking what you just lost and how it would have been from? better. What, I what think I think a level of you I know, once I did the work, it came from from a, a, a desire to be put to be perfect Mm -hmm. perfectionism which comes from a very poor identity basically and need to prove myself i was the youngest of four kids I had a pretty, Me too. um, yeah, okay. So <laughs> I had my two elder sisters. Uh, I mean, my family are amazing, but like any family, every family has crazy things mm-hmm. going on, which is very normal too. That's something that we all need to kind of realize. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously not the extreme stuff, that's not normal. But my two elder sisters were really battled a lot and they just, and I was the youngest and I was kind of had to prove myself, you know, and mm-hmm. so I went out in every aspect from, academics to sport and I was always the top academic and the top sports and I drove myself to a point where it was just too much and it was I was always trying to please and my mom was very British and very you don't compliment children you don't give them a big head you don't so I I remember going up to her as a little child and she knows the story so she's good with it we've talked this through and I have a great relationship with her but I was maybe six or seven and I drew this picture and um, I went up to her and said mom don't you love mommy don't don't you love my picture and she said um, to me that's vain. Don't ask me. Don't look wow. for compliments, and it shattered me. And from At six that or day, seven, that's tough. yeah, it shattered me. It completely. And she wasn't intending to shatter me, but it right. shattered me. From that day, I never asked. I just proved, and I drove myself, and I was never good enough. Nothing was ever good enough because she never complimented me. Wow. Now, as, a, as an 85-year-old, she never stops because she's changed and she's apologized. And she said, I realized I didn't, because she started doing it to my kids and being hard on them. And I said, no. I said, because she said, wow. you, you, you compliment your kids too much. I said, you never complimented me enough. I said, my kids, when they do something that's great, I am going to be their biggest cheerleader and she saw that and she we had we had this whole discussion around that but that's where it came from and now it's sorted out now she's I mean she makes a point of of like everything it's like really sweet now she's trying to make up for which is great because <laughs> you do you can forgive and forget. You can't change what's happened to you but you can change what's in you. But that's where right. it came from. And once I had made peace with that, it definitely once my mom and I had that discussion, um, it it freed me. It was definitely a massive mm. part of my healing.
0: Wow. How do how impactful does perfectionism or how impactful is perfectionism on the brain in holding people back and how does someone let go of this idea to be perfect when they feel like maybe they had something similar with you or they feel like that they need to be perfect to be loved or accepted or get an acknowledgement or attention or affection or whatever it is, what does perfectionism do to the brain and how do we let go of it?
1: That's really, that's an excellent question. It's very distorted because it goes against your natural wide field of nature. Because when you are, and it's all all to do with identity. So it's, and it's all to do with, and, and when we talk about identity, we've got to talk about it as, as a verb as opposed to a noun. It's something that's organic and growing. So you are Lewis, but you're constantly growing and changing from life experiences. When you're growing into yourself and you're growing, and as we go through messiness and repair and growth, it's, it's enhancing and growing and getting better and better all the time. And um, perfectionism is is a sort of non-acceptance of that. It's like, I haven't had a chance to really Mm -hmm. see that my identity is good enough. And so it's like, you've got to always do something. And there's something that's happened. It's generally, you, you can't, you know everyone's got their own narrative but at some point in our lifetime we've had something that knocked us and I it seemed to be for me that that was where that knock happened mm-hmm. and uh, so that in growing up in that kind of environment when there was never any compliments and not even you know, a child needs that sort of thing so you you, it, it affected my identity I always felt like I had to prove myself in every instance and it became a very big thing I was like living for approval mm-hmm. until I could accept who I was so, I, so perfectionism what it does you never accepted brain,
0: yourself probably
1: no not totally and it's, it's and I think a lot of us battle with that identity yeah. is one of those very I, mean, I always recommend that people do regular identity checks that you go and at least once a year you do a full-on identity check and just find out that you haven't been because it's so easy to be shaped by experience and because and, it's nature nurture and i factor there's the nature part of identity that is you have your genetic makeup i have mine you have your own unique way that your proteins vibrate they don't vibrate the same way as mine. Even though we have the same brain structures, we have different protein vibrations and the way that there are proteins fold. I mean, I I held up this tree before. The thoughts that you build look like trees. The roots are the source, but the branches are your interpretation. So every Mm -hmm. listener listening to this now, they're hearing the same source, so the same roots that they grow in their brain. But every Single person is growing their own um, in- interpretation, their own thoughts, feelings, and choices around the content we're talking about, and that's identity. So those pro- that, those are proteins, and the vibrations are different. So our wiring is unique, nature wise. Nature wise, nurturing we have our environment impacts us. Whether we like it or not, culture, mm. religion, where we live, the philosophies of the day, all of that impacts us. But overriding both of those is the I factor, and that's your growing identity
0: the perception we have of ourselves yes what what we look uh, like in the mirror
1: what we look like in the mirror and how we perceive the world Mm. and that can that is very um malleable it's very strong but it's very vulnerable too Mm -hmm. and it gets very influenced by very very strongly influenced by nature nurture and that's why it's so important that we build an identity so people that are confident people that seem to get like no matter what happens, they just seem to bounce back. Even they will have identity issues, but they've reached a point in their life where they, they can bounce back quicker, maybe than someone else who's got more identity issues who gets crushed. So for me, that was when I was practicing, still practicing. Um, I would spend a large portion of my work with my patients on identity because most really? of the time they first would be the first sort of thing that I'd work on. And then I would do brain building and then I'd do emotional work. You know, so it would be to, to first build the person, this you're amazing. This is how we get resilience in your brain. And you asked earlier on about how do we make brain health? Brain building is one of the most powerful ways of brain using your mind to get brain health. And we never got to that point, so we need to yeah, do that we'll too. We'll come back to that. Yeah. You better keep a note of all these things. I've got, I've got the
0: notes here. I've got the notes here. I'm curious about the identity check. Then, what does an identity yeah. check look like, and how do we build our identity to become more confident, resilient, loving, energetic human beings? Absolutely.
1: So when we when we when identity shatters, we start. We'll see a difference in the vibrations in the brain. We'll see a difference in the energy flow in the brain. How, we'll what's actually, the common?
0: What's the common ways it shatters? Sorry to interrupt.
1: No, uh, no, no, no problem. Um, they break up,
0: uh, yeah, no, loss environment of job, experience. Something yeah, happens. Yeah. A death in the family. Uh, something. Those, Somewhere. those
1: will shatter. But it's it's more when when. You are told you're broken in some way, even if it's not direct. So it's like if someone tells you, you know, you've gone through an adverse circumstance and you're feeling depressed and someone tells you you've got a brain disease, that will shatter your identity because now your identity is, oh, I'm broken. I'm a broken brain. Mm. I'm, I'm a useless person. Or if someone feels they're not valued. So a statement is made that that the core of their humanity, who they are, is not valued. They're not valuable enough. Um, we see this a lot with gender gender issues, people that, um, that aren't allowed to identify with what they believe their gender is tremendous, tremendous attack on identity. That's why there's such an increase in suicides in, mm-hmm. in that kind of environment. Generally, I've worked with a lot of suicide survivors and a lot of suicide families of suicide victims and um, they have experienced suicide in their family. And the core is identity. Because mm-hmm. if you don't feel you're valued, if you feel that what I can bring to the table isn't enough, no matter what, why should I even be alive? And that for me is so important. I did a whole podcast recently on identity and the importance of identity. And it looks different in the brain. When your identity shatters, your energy, um, we can pick that up on the QEG. QEG technology doesn't read. Detail. It's very crude, but it does give you an idea of the level of anxiety it creates. So when you're not being yourself or you feel that you're not valued, we will see um, asymmetry, for example, in the brain. We'll see a lot mm. of low energy in the front of the brain, very, very low energy in the front of the brain. You see it with people that have been labeled. Their energy, blood flow, it's, it's asymmetrical and it's very low in this, particularly this part of the brain. And then we have 200 specializations across our brain that are unique to each of us. So it's designed because your brain's only limited in size, your skull's limited in size, so you can't mm-hmm. keep growing your brain, so you can't do everything more, can I? So there's something you can do that no one else can do. Mm-hmm. And that's that's within these 200 specializations of our brain. But it creates a need because there's this stuff you can do that I can't do, so therefore I need you. And you need me because mm-hmm. of what we can, uh, because that's enhancement. And, and and when that's when people think, okay, there isn't something I can contribute, the identity gets broken. So we see that in Those changes, and when you get that change in the brain activity and inflammation and blood flow, we're going to see. An increase in um, in the immune system inflammation, the immune system will respond and react because now your survival is threatened. So wow. you're going to get inflammation. Then that has a downstream e- effect in your endocrine system. Then your telomeres and your chromosomes start getting shortened, which then ages your body. And I mean, it's 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 I can go on and it on. It goes on and on, yeah. The neurophysiology neurophysiological effects are enormous. So an identity check is critical because the only way you're going to bounce back from what is going to happen because life is traumatic. No matter what we what we would love to know, we would love the world to be perfect. Mm. The reality is no matter what it's you've not. had traumas that you will have trauma. That's right. just it's it's inevitable. Um so in What, order what does from- the identity
0: check look like for you? You say you do it once a year or yeah,
1: I, I I do it once a year whenever I feel that I'm out of sync, where if I start feeling like and you, a very quick recognition of identity check is if you're starting to feel envious and jealous of others, and if you're starting to feel that um something you know that you're just not good enough, imposter syndrome, you know, the typical those, yes. those are very key that hey, I'm gonna stop and do an identity check. So then I do it with a neurocycle. I'll go and look for all the I'll um, I'll go and gather awareness of all the the signals. That I'm starting to see like this. Okay, there's a lot more imposter syndrome than normal because we all get a level of it. So it's okay. It's, it's, it's when it becomes an invasive pattern. So you look for the invasive pattern signals that are affecting who I feel about myself. And so I recognize, I know how to recognize the general unease. And then you'll start working through from the signals and then start reflecting why, what's happened. You know, ask on and discuss with yourself, what's happened to get myself to this point? And then I'll take time to write it down. The third and mm. fourth step, I'm, it's describing the neurocycle now. The third and fourth step we're writing. The third step you write in the form of a metacog and a metacog is one of the most powerful things out there to get into your non-conscious mind and find out what's really going on. To really tap into the wise mind. You want to get your conscious and unconscious mind talking to each other. And if you go through these five steps that I'm describing the neurocycles sequentially, you are training and forcing blood flow, those 200 areas of specialization, the different structures of the brain, the neurons, the, the neurochemistry, the endocrines so You you are forcing it to actually work for you. You're kind of making all the ducks line up in a row, if that makes Mm. sense. And when you're in that state, you're much more intelligent, you're much wiser, you have more clarity you have more perspective. So that's the objective of the five steps to really give you that level of clarity that can help you dive down deep into an unconscious mind and find out, you know, find the toxic issue that's caused this identity issue because it's going to affect everything. Your identity starts shattering. It affects your work, your relationships,
0: your Your view of life, mood,
1: energy, exercise, diet,
0: So so step one is reflection of your identity is what it sounds like Very important. a lot of these things. It's interesting you're saying this because when I was younger, (laughs) I've said this on the show a few times, uh, but when I was younger, probably like seven, eight, nine, I would get, in elementary school, I would get in trouble a lot, or at least this is the stories I remember. I remember getting in trouble (laughs) and being sent to the principal's office, maybe not that much, maybe, I don't know, half a dozen times or something In, in a couple of years for whatever reason acting out or saying something or and I remember kind of being scolded or being told that I was doing something wrong by the principal and I remember saying vividly like I wish I were dead like I just remember saying this as a kid over and over like when I would get in trouble I was like I wish I were dead and I hearing you say this now I feel like I just never felt valued you know Um. I'm sure people valued me but I think I didn't know how to receive it or I didn't feel it Uh, Mm -hmm. And I, and I think, thankfully, I never said that after those, those years, but, and I don't feel that anymore, but I remember if I would have went down that path of never feeling valued for five, 10, 20 more years, I, I don't know why I would, I don't know why I'd still be here. I don't know why I wouldn't, I'd be building a case of what's the point of my life. Why should I be here? No one cares about me. No one values me. No one sees me. No one acknowledges Mm -hmm. me. I'm pointless. I'm worthless. I have no meaning, so I might as well end it. And so I have a, I have a, a lot of, I guess, compa- compassion for people that feel that because yeah. you can kind of get sucked into it, and you oh, can so you could easily get sucked into it from a major breakdown or breakup or heartache or something. You can get kind of sucked into this. Well, I don't matter if this person doesn't love me, and I don't matter if I'm not good enough for this job, and I don't matter. We can kind of get sucked in if we're not taking care of our mindset from mm. what I'm hearing.
1: That is that I'm so sorry that happened to you. And it's it's you, you reflect so many um people that have gone through that and mm. you managed to kind of adjust. But the fact that you could actually recall that incident shows you that it's still, you know, maybe now there'll be more healing, but it it, it mm. impacted your life. And how Absolutely. many kids yeah, and how many kids go through that? In fact, there was a post that I, I just happened to—I put up a couple of days ago, and I just happened to scan through because you get so many comments. I try and read as many as I can, but I don't. But one caught my attention, and it was and literally what you're saying now. It was someone saying how they were, as a child, told that you know you're not good enough, and you know you have a bad attitude, and it was just like. It, disciplining a child without Mm. and what we don't realize is when you do that to a child you're actually breaking them and i remember my mom saying to me again my mom comes up with this thing saying to me that when i would tell my kids hey listen that's not right but you do this right this is the good but this is what and it's not you but what you're doing so Mm. it wasn't and and i was so emphatic on trying to and i I don't know if i did it every time and i'd have to go ask my kids but i really was conscious of not saying it's you that's bad you're amazing
0: that you did the behavior is not good but yes there's
1: separation yeah, yeah, yeah. and I remember my mother watching me doing this one time and she said why are you doing that why are you telling them if they've done something wrong that they're good is it because they are good they're at the core they're just learning they're just experimenting they just const- yeah if
0: you're constantly telling a child all the things they're doing wrong they're going to believe they're wrong
1: exactly that's the perspective that they're building because you the you the adults in their life you the the caregiver you the person that they look up to the most and you're shaping them And so they're relying on you to model behavior. So if you are modeling back to them all the time that they are bad, instead of Saying, "Okay, you're doing this. There's a reason why, and that's what I used to always do with the patients in my practice when parents and I was helping with behaviour, because I worked with a lot of adolescents that were behavioural juvenile delinquents and that kind of thing. We would always look at. I'd always explain it like this: the way you turn up, or the way you are, what you're saying, and what you're doing, are simply signals of an underlying issue. It's not the person. You can't say little Johnny is a behaviour problem. That's a terrible thing to say because you've shattered that child's in, in, and they'll just think, Oh, what's the point? I may as well, get, may as well live up to what they're telling me I am. Mm-hmm. You know, there must
0: and be more of that. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So we've got to be so uh, careful that maybe a person, Oh, you're always so aggressive. You know, it, when you say you always, you never, those, uh, you actually, you're building an in- identity.
0: Exactly. You're shaping an identity and the person's becoming more of that identity. And
1: you're not giving them any skills to change. So, but if you rather say to them, okay, what you've done is actually pretty aggressive. I know that's not who you are. Let's see why you did that because why you did there's a reason why you did that. And honestly, there's I cannot tell you how many times I've been saying this recently. We've got to keep give people grace. We've got to give Mm ourselves grace. If someone in your environment or your work environment or your family are being impossible or difficult or whatever, instead of getting mad at them, um remove yourself, create a boundary, but change your perspective. There's a reason. There's a reason why they're like that. So get yourself in a safe place that you can actually process it and that you get your own mental health under control and, and then go back in and try and say, okay, look, that really hurts me the way you do this. But I understand that this is not who you are. Yeah. Can I help you you know, get through this? Is there something right. that's going on? And that shifts things totally. 'Cause yeah. you're immersing people in kindness, which is something I did a podcast on recently. It changes that kind of thing, changes the way that the brain functions immediately in both parties. Mm. And you can yeah. get to the core issue. And that goes back to the child. You can do the same thing with the child. You don't have to then break the identity. So kids are growing into adulthood, there's so many bad behavioral um issues that have come out of generations of bad parenting. And we do I mean, I don't I'm I'm much older than you, I think. I don't know how old you are, but I'm fifty seven. Mm. How old
0: are you? I'm thirty eight.
1: I'm 20 years almost older than you. <laughs> okay, so my parents parented me in a very um, different way where it was very much, you, you know, had ostrich in the sand mentality. Children are seen and not heard. Mm. Um, you know, don't you know, pull yourself together. Get up and keep going. Hide your emotions. Don't Jeez. show the emotions to the world. That That's so hard
0: stuff. when you're developing a proud oh brain that is developing. It's exactly. hard to it's very, very emotions
1: exactly so i'm part of the baby boomer generation and we grew up like this and that's where you see a lot of issues in the baby boomer generation and a lot of us have carried that on with our own kids and hopefully i didn't because i recognize and i'm doing the work thank god i'm doing what i'm doing so i could change that but that's, that has created a whole breed of people. And if we don't change that, we then impact the next generation and the next generation. So we have to – but, yeah, you've got to be able to express yourself. And one of the things when I was working in therapy was doing a lot of family therapy, I would tell the parents that you've got to be authentic. You've got to explain, hey, I'm sad today. Mom's sad. And it's okay to be sad. And this is why I think I'm sad and I'm working on it and I'll be better. So you've modeled now for a child that you said – A child, if you, a parent is sad or worked up or irritated or angry or snap you and you don't explain to a child, the child will immediately think, I'm bad. Mm -hmm. Their identity gets attacked. So if you don't explain to the child why their identity is affected and then they think, okay, that they only, adults are perfect. So adults, a sad adult means that I'm the bad person, the adult's the good person. And that's the worst lie out. All of us are a mess, Mm. no matter what age you are, adult or child, you just happen to be an older version of being a mess. And there's hopefully some growth. And what we should do is model authenticity and say, I am sad today, or I am depressed today. Or yes, I yelled at you. I'm sorry, that was wrong. It's my bad. I did it because of this. So then you model to the child that say, oh, okay, it's okay if I get mad. Then they start saying, mom, I'm mad because instead of I am mad is my identity. It's not mad is my identity. Mad's what I'm doing. Yeah. So it's a doing, not
0: a being. It's interesting because this morning I woke up and I was feeling a little sadness and I didn't know why. And I remember thinking, okay, let me just sit with this for a minute and I don't need to stay here, but I can be here and reflect on it. And I remember it was just kind of like chatting with a friend. I was like, yeah, I'm just kind of feeling sad. I don't know. I really know why. Um, maybe I'm feeling like a little you know i went through a a transition in a relationship lately and i'm like maybe i'm you know a little bit of sadness from that and missing this experience and i was like okay you know but there's there's a reason why the transition happened and e- even though i'm grateful that you know for the lessons and the process of moving on from this yeah. relationship i can still be sad for the loss of something the the something beautiful. not yeah something that's not there anymore that was there at one point and uh, so I just kind of sat with it for 20 30 minutes and I was like okay but I don't need to stay here because staying in sadness is not going to support my joy my authenticity my vision of helping people so I want to make sure that I don't like reject these range of emotions Seven. but I also but I also don't want to stay in the negative, or not a negative emotion, but the emotion that maybe will hold me back from helping people or uh, having a positive attitude. So, I think it's, it's a, so good.
1: You just, you just, did, you just did, sorry, I didn't. I go just ahead, go ahead. Through. You just did a neurocycle. You basically yeah, by gathered a, the
0: language. Yeah, yeah,
1: you did. You, you gathered awareness of your sadness. You embraced it. You were okay with it. You gave yourself permission, and it's so good because it's really okay to be sad it's so totally mm-hmm. normal then you reflect it so you gathered awareness you then reflect it on why mm-hmm. you you maybe didn't do the writing steps but you visualized it so this I was talking with step, someone
0: I was talking with someone about So it. you, so you talk so you did so, it, you know.
1: so there we go so there's kind of the writing if, um, if it comes up again you could maybe try and do a metacog, and yeah. we didn't get to finishing that but the, the different types of writing just can take you deep if you need to but you basically did that as a visual discussion mm-hmm. and then you got into it you reconceptualized that you said okay there's a re- you're sad, the breakup, you're moving on. And then it's okay to be sad because it's you are grieving the loss. And Absolutely. that's part of it. And now you're moving on. And so your first step was you've accepted it, but now you're moving on. And you're quite right. that So you've given that sadness. You've pro, you embraced, processed, and you reconceptualized. So you turned what – if you didn't, if you pushed it down, it would have grown. Because whatever you suppress will get bigger. And then it's going to permeate other parts of your life. And then there's confusion because you think, why am I sad when all this is happening? And then why am I feeling this? And it ends like a little virus you know just starts spreading and so you caught it there and you allowed yourself but you're also limited and it's so important with any emotion that is no emotion is bad every emotion is telling us a story but there's certain emotions that make us tired our brain is our brain body and conscious mind are limited in energy. The non-conscious mind is unlimited in energy. So the non-conscious mind will keep driving us to just keep going. So we have to discipline or uh, we have to literally create a discipline almost like boundaries between the you know the conscious hmm. and the non-conscious. So we have to t- so our wise mind is saying okay if I stay your wise mindset if I stay in sadness I'm going to get drained. You you, you instinctively recognize. Yeah. Exactly. So that was your wise mind telling you. So you put a cap and you put a seal on it. And I always say that with the neuro cycle, when you're going through the process and you're working through a 63-day cycle, you sit for 15 to 45 minutes, not longer. And you yeah. limit and you have an active reach, which is then what you did you reconceptualize and you said okay well this is i'm moving on i'm just i had a moment of sadness because i'm grieving what's happened and that's okay so you if if you're during the course of the day if you if you found found yourself going back to sadness you can instead of allowing yourself to go and revisit the whole um, transition you can go to that statement and you can build on that statement of it's okay to be sad i'm grieving Mm -hmm. a loss And that's part of it. And then you move on. So you're training your mind to discipline itself, not to stay in something that will drain you, but to see how you made it work for you. Because you can't change what's happened to you, but you just change what happens in you. So you just did that. So good
0: job. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. You know, I I just feel like so many years of my life where I would stay in sadness, anger, resentment, uh, what if statements uh, where I just ruminate on these emotions, for Mm. days weeks months years and it only left me with a lack of sleep with stress frustration frustration overwhelmed never feeling good enough asking why me all these things and i never felt peace when Mm. i stayed in the emotion and i allowed it to consume me as opposed to uh be a momentary or an hour thing as opposed to exactly days, weeks, months, things. So
1: you literally had to rewire your brain because we get into patterns of allowing ourselves to do that ruminating. And I can honestly relate to what you're saying. I did it too. And, you know, as I've learned more and more and done more and more research in this area, yes, I've got an advantage because I'm seeing it directly with the research I'm doing. But it's just so free. You get so much mental peace when you recognize, okay, I'm in that state. Mm. And yes, you can can have a concern in your life. You can have a concern that is, I mean, you're not just going to not think about a transition and a breakup. You know, there's going to be a lot of time that you spend on that because it's different processing, but it's how you do it. Mm. You know, each little moment—is it a rumination on a, on a hamster wheel, or mm. is it a growth, a, a messy repair, messy repair, hypothesizing, messy repair? You know, are you moving forward? And that's what's what's so good because if you get stuck, like in the if only, like you said, and those negative emotions, we're creating so much neurochemical chaos in our brain and our body, and we're increasing inflammation, we mm. aging our body, we aging. If, if we just stuck doing everything we shouldn't be doing, and we don't have to. That's staying in the messy mind. The wise mind catches that and disciplines and trains it, but it's also not going to happen overnight. And that's where people in right. this technological age think, "Okay, well, I've done it once. Why am I still doing it?" No, you're going to have to. It's going to take you probably nine weeks if you had to actually look at the time you spent to break that cycle, which meant that you rewired your brain. It would have. It, it's, it's, it's weeks, and so if, you, if know, you have breaks it in between, took
0: months. You, yeah, well, <laughs> back it, in the day when I had to go through that, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely, multiple cycles, and that's why- You know
0: what's interesting? It was like eight years ago is when everything started to really shift for me when I turned 30, because I don't know if I mentioned this in our last interview, but I've talked about it on the show a lot, where I started to truly address and heal the root cause of a lot of my pain, anger, resentment from sexual trauma that I went through as a kid, from other other things that happened that I never expressed, that I never brought to the surface. Mm -hmm. I always kept hidden with shame and insecurity and mm-hmm. frustration or anger. And when I started to process the root causes of a lot of my insecurity and shame, yeah. that's when everything started to rewire. So if I would have just said, okay, I'm going to process these things on a surface level for a certain amount of days, I don't think I would have ever found that mm-hmm. ability to create that peace within because I was always holding on to some type of trauma that I was unwilling to talk about. Whether it was a big T or a little T, I was unwilling to talk about it out of shame. And when I started to share it, it was freeing. And, and mm-hmm. I'm not saying everyone needs to share these things publicly or, or whatever, but just yeah. talking to a friend or a yeah. therapist or a coach, it was allowing me to start rewiring, okay, I can yeah. process these these heartbreaks or these tragedies or these moments in life that bring me stress and pain and grief and sadness. I now don't need to hold on to this pain from my whole life and add to it. I can process it and move on.
1: Mm, That's beautiful. That's amazing that you did that. And it's interesting that you did that around your 30s and your 20s were pretty turbulent in terms of trying to suppress. (laughs) My whole life was
0: turbulent, but (laughs) until 30, I mean, still my 30s, it's been some ups and downs, but it's been, I've been able to process and I've been able to emotionally have a uh, more tools to experience and process, and not hold on to. And I think I'm still learning because I mean I'm going to be learning for a long time. But, but
1: yeah, it'll be your whole life. I'm,
0: I'm not. Yeah. I'm definitely not perfect because I still make a lot of mistakes, and I still stay in things longer than I should, and want to make sure I give it my all, and you know all those things. But um, I, I think I, I've gotten to a place where I know when to walk away from scenarios, as opposed to be the perfectionist make sure i do whatever it takes to work like I, i'm like okay if this situation isn't supporting me or the other person like at some point we gotta we gotta transition the situation so
1: oh, that's incredible and you've done so much incredible work then you've, you've literally what's and i can explain to you scientifically if you're interested in what you've actually done because i think what you you've what you've gone through the story you've gone through is like especially having the sexual trauma
0: mm-hmm.
1: as a young how old were you again five five um that that that's like you Think of it like this as a five year old, you look at your caregivers and your environment as your heroes, as your people that look after you. So the distortion is so, is so absolutely, it's just such a distortion. Mm. So what's happened if I use my toxic tree, and for those that are listening, I'm holding up the wiry toxic tree that represents toxic thought as opposed to the healthy green tree. These, the roots over here, this whole thing's falling apart. Um, the the root part over here is the source of the pain so that's the source of the trauma so that's the actual events all the data the emotions
0: the the memories yes the
1: memories so a thought is made of memories root memories and branch memories and so the memories are the all the all the things that actually happened and all the emotions that went along with it the full data as it's happening simultaneously we interpret what's happening and then if these repeated patterns that happen, you this the, this part over here, the branches, are your interpretation. So you said things like um, shame, and what were the other words you used? You used insecurity, um, insecurity shame, insecurity, anger,
0: resentful, resentful,
1: you know. or and seeing yourself, your your identity was broken mm-hmm. because you didn't see yourself as having value. All those kinds of things because of that complete distortion. Mm-hmm. Now, as a five year old, you cannot process this. So this was the way you cope. This is this always is the balance to that. And even though this is a distortion, you do this to balance that. I mean, it's healthy. It's all great. It works out because Man. the you comes out. But here, this is all not the you So there, that would account for when you were at school, maybe you were called to the principal's office. A lot of those behaviors would have come from you not mm-hmm. valuing yourself. And then if them coming in heavy again, just added more fuel to it. It's just another… It was yeah. just another layer added. More on. anger,
0: more frustration, more yeah, everything.
1: Yeah. So instead of them looking at why Lewis is doing this, they just told you you were wrong and punished you. That would be the worst thing in your situation, mm. and that would have just made it worse and worse. So that then we push that down because we don't know what it is, what what to do with it. And so you just keep going on and you just keep hoping for the best, and you keep. Our kids just seem to be so resilient, but this this is building and building. So in your non-conscious mind, this whole, these thoughts that we have, these experiences that we have are building through our mind into our brain and into our body and into our mind. So this is not only a thought tree in your brain, it's also in the dna of every set of your body
0: mm. and
1: it's in the gravitational fields of your mind so it's in three places that's why it's this whole psychoneurobiological impact that's why it's this whole um, effect that it has on us it's a whole body experience so when you do things like um emdr therapy did you ever do emdr therapy or uh, any? i've
0: heard great things about it i haven't tried that yeah. yet though. so yeah.
1: when you you've done a bit of therapy over the years i've done a
0: bunch of different therapies things to things emotional okay. intelligence experiences and workshops and yeah
1: which have helped you pull the stuff from your body to your brain into your mind. So we work So we work both ways. You get from body, brain, mind, mind, brain, body, and your net kind of all works back and forth. But if these aren't dealt with, they get suppressed, they get suppressed, they get suppressed, and then maybe only when you're 30, like you said, then you started actually doing the work, or maybe during your 20s. I don't know when you started first remembering the, the, the trauma. I'm not sure what age you were at when you started facing that. I mean, that.
0: every day I remembered the trauma. Okay. I thought about it, but it wasn't until 30 when I had the courage to start talking about it.
1: Okay, so it was so it was in the – okay, so what, what you had was the situation of some people completely hard and they don't even know what happened. Then it suddenly comes back. You yeah. were constantly – I was
0: always I – mean, yeah. You were living
1: it all the time. Okay, so it was in Daily
0: or maybe, – maybe not every day, but once a week I probably thought about it, you know.
1: Okay, so this was constantly moving from the non-conscious to the conscious. So the, the awareness was increasing. So when we have increased awareness but no management and no processing – There's got the
0: to there's be a way to get it out somehow.
1: Exactly. <laughs> you so you get, so it's, so it's coming up, but you're not processing. So it keeps right. coming up, down, up, down. Each time it goes back down stronger than before. And we see when you have increased awareness without processing, it increases anxiety in the brain. Mm-hmm. So if we had to scan your brain at that time, we would have seen a lot of red pockets of high beta wow. energy across your brain, which would have made you be quite edgy, you know, like looking for things to constantly like keep you busy, distractions on the go, whatever. It, it, I don't I don't know exactly what you did over that time. But it, you may have been just always trying to you said perfectionist. I'm always trying to achieve, that yeah, you're trying to prove yourself in a way. Of course, trying,
0: constantly. Yeah. I mean, I, was, I, threw it, and, I threw it in sports, so I was just playing sports brilliant. all day, practicing, trying to, you know, get better and achieve my goal.
1: And then that would have given you a lot of um, release of adrenaline. Absolutely.
0: I Every mean, um, anger, in, in frustration, everything.
1: You channeled into the energy. So it's almost like you used that to cope, almost like an addiction, but it, in, in a sense, it was a coping mechanism because addiction is not a disease. It's purely a, a coping mechanism. It's a coping signal that you're trying to deal with a stuff. Of something
0: and that it, hasn't been healed yet.
1: Exactly. That's exactly, yeah. exactly what it is. Because 86 to 98%, 95% of ad- um, ad- addicts get out of addiction through choice once they are ready to do the work to find the root cause. Wow. So, the, so you channel for a time into that energy. You also got things like anandamide being released in your brain, which would have given you some bliss hormone, would have given you a sense of excitement. And you would have had dopamine rushes and all the mm-hmm. things that were being drained. So this was draining all of that. So you're doing sport to put it back, but eventually it explodes. So it's like a volcano. If you think of a volcano. Yeah. Well, then sport in-
0: en- well, then sport ended. So I was like, "Well, what, do I what? channel my energy?" <laughs> and you that's could. when everything started to come to the surface. Where I was like, "Oh, you got to deal know, with I'm this." Not, now. I'm not liking my personality in these scenarios when I'm feeling triggered, and people aren't liking my personality around me. And it wasn't it wasn't fun anymore to be around me for you know a year or two when I was like, really? "I don't know how to get. I don't know how do I get. How do I express Same. myself?" I know happy and angry like i don't have a range of emotions like how do i learn how to express and i think a lot and i and i empathize for a lot of um a lot of humans but i mean men in general who are kind of built and raised in the same type of dynamic i'm like it's it's when you've never been taught how to express yourself without being shamed, without being made it's wrong, terrible. without being like, don't, don't do that. That's not okay. You can't show this emotion. You're supposed to be a man or this or whatever it is. Toxic masculinity. For, yeah. For women as well, like you need to be this, mm-hmm. this, and this. and You can't do this. Um, it's just a challenge because then you're always suppressing something.
1: Mm, it's always suppressing and you have to go back and and that's volcanic in nature because like a volcano will bubble and eventually explode mm-hmm. and the lava will pour out. That, that's what these eventually do. They eventually and, and it did explode as you've just described it was exploding yeah. in your behavior where it was now becoming very in your face that, and, and in people's faces and that's and there's, that was then the signal. So all of those behavior patterns the emotions the behaviors the perspective on life that you had the physical sensations in your body those were all warning signals that your body was trying to restore balance so your non-conscious mm. mind was trying to draw your attention to the fact that you need to identify the source your immune system was sending out all kinds of signals to that to this actual physical experience in your brain this physical thought in your brain your body trying to get rid of it so it's trying to in- eject and get rid of this thing that's causing the imbalance and it comes out in our emotions and our behaviors
0: well it also and, comes out physically i mean i was yes yeah i was i was going through a. A challenging scenario uh, where I knew a, a relationship that I was in needed to end, but I was I was staying in this certain relationship for yeah. for, long, for longer than it needed to be, and I knew and I started to get I never in my life have had this, but I started to get like eczema breakouts on my wow. skin in different parts mm-hmm. of my body, and I was like, what is this? And wow. I was like, never had this in my life. I started doing all the allergy tests. I had no allergies. I was like, nice. maybe I'm having too much almond butter or freaking, I don't know, <laughs> gluten. What is it? Is it dairy? Yeah, what is it, is it? Yeah. Eliminating all these foods. Nothing is changing. And I'm like, well, maybe it's just, I'm just going to live with this forever then. And okay. And literally, I kid you not, once this, uh, the dynamic of the relationship shifted and, and transitioned, my body had... It's going away. And I was just like, this is crazy. Like, the physical symptoms is gone. Uh, this eczema outbreak or Anything? whatever, which I thought was going to keep spreading all over my body, it's now gone. Um, and it's it's crazy when, we, like you're saying, we, we need to be aware of the signals. We need to be aware of the emotions, the feelings, the frustrations, the thoughts, the sadness, the anger, and be aware of them. And we also need to be aware of our physical symptoms.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, am I
0: drained? Am I emotionally tired? Am I frustrated and triggered all the time? Do I have eczema? Is my hair falling out? I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Am I losing yeah. my vision? You know, like exactly. Something. Am I getting yeah. heart palpitations? Like You've got to be noticing the physical symptoms as well from the emotional stress.
1: Exactly. That's that is so important, what you've said, and, and fascinating that you've got, you know, that you, you've highlighted a key psychoneurobiological link. And um, mm. in my in my most recent book, The, the, <gasps> cleaning up the mental Mess, that one that you yes. interviewed me about right. last time, that, that I talk about some of the things, I didn't put my whole clinical trial, but I talk about some of those impacts, but there's so many, so many studies around the link between um, unmanaged mind and unmanaged stress and the impact on our body so it's directly like this you you were going through this relationship that was not good for you you hadn't dealt with these issues yet mm-hmm. properly so that combination was you, you, your mind was an unmanaged mess and that would generate a lot of unmanaged basically toxic energy waves, gravitational fields, electromagnetic fields, literally through your brain and your body. So therefore nothing, you're, you, you would have had high gamma, high, uh, too much uh, high gamma, too much high beta, probably not enough oxygen and blood f- in your brain, that they had, um, constricted uh, blood vessels around your heart, um, all things that, you know, the, the immune system would have been autoimmune because that's mm-hmm. eczema is an autoimmune response. Um, that, so you know, everything was, so you've all got genetic weaknesses and generally when we undertook stress and it's come through the generations it just happens, it's mutations that happen through generations and they dormant and they're activated and, and the mind is the activating factor, so, in, mm. so it manifests in so many different ways, so definitely you've kept the nail on the head, you go for the allergy tests, it's not the allergies because we immediately think purely physical, but the right. physical is dominated by the mind, the physical ah. you don't you don't have any, you can't have x-men, you're dead, you can only have it if you're alive and generally <laughs> if it's not a food allergy, there is a, a mind, an undealt so, yeah, exactly, exactly, The Mental That's allergies. literally, literally, mental allergies. These are literally mental allergies, and they threaten your survival. So your that eczema was your body saying, "Hey, Lewis, please pay attention. There's something yeah. in your mind that you need to deal with."
0: And it's and so, yeah, and it's interesting because you know I take full responsibility for my thoughts and my and, and staying in something that I um, know I'm not supposed to say in something. Um, or for not speaking up or for abandoning myself like so as i reflect and throughout the entire time you know i'm in no place to blame someone else i take responsibility i take responsibility for what am i doing to be a co-creator in this what are my thoughts doing to manifest this physically and how am i responsible for choosing something different and it might be a hard decision it might be a a courageous decision that I've been afraid to make, but that's exactly. the one my body is telling me you need to make or you, you need to shift it. you need to shift something. You need to shift something yeah. within this relationship experience. You need to whatever it might be. And uh, and I think a lot of times people will blame others for their feelings, their emotions, their physical uh, manifestations of their mind. And maybe they're a part of that experience, but you can't blame someone else for the way you're thinking and you're feeling or or can we?
1: You, you could, you hit the nail on the head. You can't. You can. There's, there's two parts to that answer. Our environment affects us. So when you were abused, you were a victim. There's no lesson to be learned in that victim. That what you you enter the victim. There's only healing that needs mm-hmm. to take place, and um, but so then you. But the, that's what you are responsible for is your healing, and that always sounds so hard when someone's been sexually abused to say that you're responsible for your healing. But no one else can heal me. No, no, heal me. no. People can support you. That's the yeah. difference, and that's that whole enhancement culture. We need each other. So you need someone cheering you along. You need the therapy, the coaching, the counselling, whatever version of that, whatever combination of that. But you all, uh, you also need to know how to manage your own mind because at the end of the day you're not in therapy 24 7 you're not in coaching 24 7 people mind. go to sleep you're awake at night you, you 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 wake up with your mind you're sitting with your anxiety your thoughts what do you do so mind management becomes absolutely essential in us being able to cope with anything that we've gone through and yes that is our we can't change i keep saying if We can't change what's happened to us but we can change what's happened in us so that abuse that you mm. went through There's never anything that can excuse that and you are not, there's no lesson to be learned and you were a victim and that person was wrong and needs to be and person or persons, you know, they, they, they need to be punished and that those are facts. Those are facts. But for you to be disengaged from that is extremely important. And the only way you can disengage from that is through embracing, processing, and reconceptualizing. Mm. So it's a deconstruction, reconstruction process. Otherwise, you keep this in your brain and this drives you and it controls you. Like it did for so many years. Every day, this was controlling you, coming up and controlling you. So until you did the work which you did to start – recognizing those signals, the physical signals in your body, the eczema, whatever it was at that time, the heart palpitations, gut issues, the mm. emotional signals, depression, anxiety, panic, frustration, whatever, worry, the um, it perspective signals, how are you looking at life? What is your general view of life? And then also looking at the, which one have I left out? Um, this, the physical, emotional is four. Emotional, physical, perspective, and why am I blanking on the fourth one? There's four different areas that we look at. i will come back in a moment. Sure. So once we gather awareness of those signals, then what we do is we can then start, um, once we've gathered awareness, we can then start uh, doing the reflection, the why. But mm-hmm. you've got to do very sequentially. you first got to pay yeah. attention. So the signals are warning um, de- warning signals, they're clues. So you become a detective in your own life. Right.
0: Well, and why is this talk- happening? Okay, let me yeah, start why- doing some experiments. Exactly. let get some tests done and realize, okay, exactly. I'm eliminating this, I'm eliminating that. Then where's the root cause?
1: Of that thing. So you've got to start there, but you've got to start with your signal. So these these are the four emotional. What are you doing behavioural? Physical, what's in your body, and perspective. Okay, so emotional, physical, behavioral, and perspective, and you've got to you've got to find those first. As soon as you're aware, you then pull this up, and you change your you change fourteen hundred neurophysiological responses in your brain and your body. You shift the resilience of your brain, and you start now enabling yourself to be stronger to face that stuff. And your mind, brain, and body know it's going to be hard because treatment and healing is awful it's hard it gets worse i put a case study in my book of one of the um, one of the subjects who was in the beginning of the study they said they literally said i am depression that was the identity
0: wow and all they could describe I am de- not i'm I, depressed i am depression. i am depression yeah oh my
1: i am depression and i can't sleep uh, my life just the whole narrative was just everything Man. that was terrible they had tried everything every drug they was they were they were at the end of their rope by within 21 days of mind management, they were no longer saying I am depressed. They were saying I am, they were no longer saying I am depression. They were saying I am depressed because of, and that is major. And then they said, so this is now, they understood now they were saying depression is a signal. It's telling me something. Then they said something so interesting. They said, I'm even more depressed and even more anxious than I was when I started the trial. And and I, and and I said, yeah, that's a good thing, isn't it? And they said, yes, because the depression and anxiety is different. Because the depression and anxiety shows me I've done the work because now I know why I was depressed. They had suppressed for nearly 30 years what had happened it was also sexual trauma oh and a God. lot of physical abuse. And they, it had been so bad that they pushed it down and completely obliterated it from their memories. And that was coming up. So that just remembering what happened made them more anxious and more depressed, but it was a different kind of, it was a controlled depression. It wasn't a depression of, i I just, I'm hopeless. I can't Mm. do anything. There's no meaning. It was, I now know why I'm depressed and this is what I can do. And then by 63 days, because it takes a full nine weeks to start changing behavior, they were sleeping again. They wow. were able to get back to work. They were able to start seeing, okay, well, I found this part. Now I need to go back in and find this part and this part and this part. So there is now a pack, um, a, a plan in place for managing their mind and knowing what to do during the day when it hit them. That a terrible, and you can probably relate to this, that terrible like it grips you that sadness or that anxiety yeah. or that panic attack out of the blue just an all-consuming or someone just says something to you that looks at you funny and your whole identity you. is shattered yeah yeah, yeah. and you're triggered so that that is key and and that is why we've got a very very we've got to think if we've been thinking a certain way for so many years because of an experience or a accumulation of experiences you're going to have to do the work of un wiring it and to unwire you have to get control so by gathering awareness of your signals which is the very first step you are then bringing this into the conscious awareness and you weaken it and that's really key when i and i'm holding up the wiring tree for the listeners you then weaken the toxic thought as soon as you weaken the toxic thought you have now got agency or Mm. control you still feel depressed you still feel Confused? You still feel all those things, but there's a shift, and the shift is that now you are taking control. You're empowered. And Louis, I used to tell my patients: get two chairs, put two chairs next to each other, sit in one, and that's the wise mind, and the other one is you, messy mind. And you are talk to yourself and use the you, use the pronoun you, Mm -hmm. and give yourself therapy, and create an environment that you would love, which is kindness, grace, acceptance, Mm -hmm. and it's okay. Everything you do, and you keep telling yourself, you really are at your You know, I I always give them the science of saying, listen, neurobiologically, you're wired for love. Your mind is is an optimism bias. When you feel this negative toxicity, this is simply your body trying to restore balance. There's nothing about you that's bad. It's what's happened to you that's an adverse circumstance and you've just tried to cope. So your behaviors are simply coping signals. You know, so when you keep telling yourself that and then you work through very systematically through the five steps, you're getting more and more control. You're using mind-directed thinking to direct the neuroplasticity of your brain that changes. So you rewire your brain slowly and it's not a quick process. It's a slow, deliberate process over 63 days. So in the first 21 days, it's, it's 40, 15 to 45 minutes. Then you the, the, the second phase of 42 days, you're just going to spend 1 to 7 minutes. Mm. And that cycle and I've tracked this now all with you know, brain studies and and blood and DNA. And I've used so many different levels of studies. And we're busy publishing all these papers at the moment. But there's a summary in the book. And I've got a white paper on my website. And we're doing, we're doing a national study now. But what I wanted to show people was that taking this attitude, this kind of picture I've just painted, of what you did with yourself, basically. Yeah. Like, and I'm just giving you more specifics. You are actually directing the neuroplasticity of your brain. You are taking this toxic tree, you are deconstructing it, you're taking the energy that is in vibrating in those branches, holding your interpretation of yourself, which is not the truth. You're taking that trauma that happened to you, and you're changing all of that. And energy is never lost. And this is all energy in these proteins. And it's only transferred. So you're taking that slowly every day and you're transferring. And this is getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And and you're building a healthy, reconceptualized version. So by day 21, you've got this beautiful, healthy green tree. Now watch, I'm going to pull a part of it out. I'm pulling a tiny little piece of it out. There's a little piece Mm -hmm. of green that I'm holding. That is that converted into this. It's now shrunk Mm -hmm. into a green version, which is your very terrible, sad story. It still makes you sad. still makes you crush. Never have happened. But it did happen but you've not changed. What it looks like in you—it's no longer this toxic thing that's causing your immune system to send out T lymphocytes and B lymphocytes and macrophages and treat it in the same way as the COVID virus, which is damaging your brain and body. Whatever—it's literally the same thing as a—it's not the same as COVID virus, but it's also protein. So you—it's recognized as a threat to survival by the immune system in the same way COVID virus is, um, and you are—you've changed that, and now no longer is it a threat to your survival. You now have a new coping mechanism. So you remember why? So when you triggered. This is what you revert to, not not that toxic tree. But to get to the point where you revert to this, the green tree, you have to do that extra 42 days of work Mm. because habits only form in those cycles. And I'd have patients, nurse, that would sometimes take two years to get to the point where they were uh, kind of had sorted out all this stuff. Some people will do one cycle. There's no cookie cutter anything. This is not a technique. All I'm giving you is how you get your mind under control so that you can unwire these things and rewire them. And it's different for everyone's narrative. Yeah. but you can do it it's, it's it's hopeful we can do this and it's hard work and it's difficult and it's and it's traumatic and you need support and these times where you're going to get so depressed where you maybe can't get out of bed for a few days because of mm-hmm. just the awareness of what's happened but you will keep that's will progress and yeah. i had i remember having patients that were like had gone from suicidal to ups and downs to seeming to cope to like back together then suddenly crashing into deep depressions and then everything is progress because every at every stage there's another level of awareness and then getting to the point okay i can cope i can move forward now i can start which is what you did right yeah you know you've done that now you've channeled all that energy into helping others no one knows what you're looking for in a doctor better than you and no one's better at giving you the tools to find the perfect doctor than zocdoc The people who created ZocDoc found the major pain points in healthcare, all the things that weren't working and said enough, and they made booking a great doctor surprisingly stress-free. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance and are available when you need them. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and I'm one of them. It's my go-to whenever I need to find or book a doctor. I have used the app to book doctor's appointments, dental checkups you name it. It has been so great, especially when I visit a new town or city and I need to find an appointment on the go. It is so easy to read up on local doctors, get verified patient reviews, and see what other real humans had to say about their visit. With ZocDoc, you know that when you walk into that doctor's office, you're set up to see someone in your network who really gets you. All you have to do is go to ZocDoc.com, choose a time and slot whether you want to see the doctor in person or do a video visit, and just like that, you're booked. It's so easy to find the doctor that's right for you and book an appointment that works for your schedule. In the chaotic world of healthcare, let ZocDoc be your trusted guide to find a quality doctor in a way that is surprisingly pain-free. With ZocDoc, you can get your docs in a row. Just go to ZocDoc.com LEAF and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com LEAF. ZocDoc.com LEAF. The link and details will be in the show notes.
0: It's all a process. And uh, there's always gonna be new lessons to learn, I'm assuming. And
1: oh yeah. It's that like, <laughs> it's that like messy grow it's that like messy, it's like messy uh, repair grow. Messy repair grow. Messy right. r- give ourselves permission. It's okay to be messy, it's okay to be depressed and anxious, it's yeah. not an illness, you're not a broken brain. Yeah. You are just those are all signals. Be be poor, be be Sherlock Holmes, you mm-hmm. know, be your be your own thought detective.
0: There's so many things I want to make sure we go over still, um, but I want I want to go into relationships in a future episode, yeah, in a fantastic. future interview. So if if you want us to, um, so leave a comment on the YouTube channel and just put hashtag relationship. If you want us to do another uh, interview about the brain connection in intimate relationships and how that affects our mood Good and energy story. and all those yeah. things, I think it'd be fascinating. So leave a comment there if you guys are interested. I want to go over brain building I also want to go over what you do for the ultimate um, mindset training in your, in your morning and evening routine to set yourself up for success for a day but I also and and I also want to go back into identity check and oh, yes, we
1: didn't quite finish figure
0: that, yeah. out what is what do you do when you are checking your identity and how do you reprogram your mind to build confidence in your identity moving forward?
1: Okay, so where do you want to start? There's three things there.
0: What What do you do when you're doing a uh, identity, identity check? check. What thing? are okay. you doing personally? What does that look okay. like? For me, okay. right there.
1: So I, um, I tune into, once again, the signals. So I'll be going along and I suddenly notice, uh, for me, I've got certain key signals that tell me I need to do an identity check. One is imposter syndrome. When I start feeling like oh my gosh I shouldn't be talking about what I'm talking I don't even know what I'm talking about kind of thing then I know that that's nonsense because I've got 38 years of research and I know what I am and, mm-hmm. and I don't know everything but I so I have to uh, so as soon as I start feeling like that that um I will I will say okay that's and if it, and I watch it then I watch so they I watch for imposter syndrome I watch if, if I start getting perfectionistic If I'm feeling like this obsession to be perfectionistic um, if I start feeling, if I like maybe hear someone's, if I start feel little bursts of, it's not like jealousy or envy or bitterness. If any of those, I mean, I, I own it all. I'm not scared to tell people if I have those because it's so normal to have those. It's What's not normal is to keep them. I I'd never see um, imposter syndrome, perfectionism, jealousy, envy. I never see those as evil, terrible things and I'm now a bad person. I only ever see myself showing up as those because of something. Mm. And so those are my key things. If I start feeling little twinges of envy or jealousy or imposter syndrome or perfectionism, then I know, okay, so there's, a, there's, and then I watch. Is there a pattern? How often am I doing it? Is it mm. daily? Is it weekly? Is it just now and then? If it's now and then, I'm okay. But if I see, okay, hey, this is happening daily and I'm being triggered by everything. Um, so I look for frequency. So um, I know my signals then I look for frequency. Then I say, all right, now it's time. This is happening this is happening way too often. I need an identity check. I need to sit down and then I will actually sit for 63 days every day and, and I do it well. I'm, I'm always working on something. So if I see it's an identity check, I'll finish whatever I'm working on and then I'll start and I'll start. And I, I always do my, my neuro cycle for, for anything when I'm getting ready in the morning. It's just the routine I've set up in my life. So it's, um, so then I'll, while I'm getting ready, it always takes me about half an hour or so. So it's great time. No one comes in the in, in the bathroom that they ever knows. That's leave mom alone. That's leave, leave me alone. That's when I have my space. So I have a routine. So then I'll start with, Let's say it's day one. I'll say, okay, those are. I'm seeing. I'm doing imposter syndrome. I see the whatever the four signals. Then I then I break it down. Okay, what are the emotional signals? Mm. What are my feelings? So I'm feeling a bit of envy, a bit of jealousy, a bit of um, frustration, whatever. Then I'll say, okay, behavior. What am I doing? I'm definitely not smiling as much. Uh, Maybe so. I look at my behaviors. I seem to be a Mm. bit short. I keep talking about. Um, it's this, it's coming into conversations. People are actually commenting, why do you keep talking about this? Um, so I look at my behaviors. So emotion, emotional warning signals and behavioral warning signals. Then I will look at my body. I'll look at, oh, I, I'll sense my body. What's different? Wow, I'm getting more gut aches. I, my gut, we have such a genetic weakness in our family with gut, very common. Um, I'll notice that foods that don't really make me bloat suddenly I'm bloating more. I'm suddenly getting incredible cramps in my lower colon I know Mm. immediately there's a certain pain that I get in my colon that is related to emotions also I get tremendous pain in my heart when I'm very toxically stressed like like it really feels like pain pain it's sore I can feel pain so I notice those things I'm very aware then I'll look at my perspective and my perspective is why am I doing this or something? So it's kind of in a negative, it's moving to a negative zone. So I'm, I gather those, but I gather them loose, like I'm gathering apples in a, in a, in, a, in an apple orchard. So I, I literally will do, yeah, I do. I literally in my mind, I am two chairs. I am I'm using the you language. I'm very kind to myself. I'm very accepting. I set myself up correctly. So my whole mindset going into, even before I gather those four signals is one of it's okay. You really are amazing. There's no one can do what you can do. So a little bit of, you know, motivational boosting, but I'm also kind to myself. It's really okay. It's really not, you're not the first person who've done this to feel envy or jealousy. This is not that you're a bad person. You, there's a reason. So I just remind myself of those things. There's a couple of little prompts that changes my neurophysiology. I know from the science that I've done that I've now got 1400 neurophysiological responses working for me. Just before I start the process, I'll do wow. the brain preparation. And I'm in my app, I actually do this. I have, so i physically walk you through audio, video.
0: What's the app called
1: Neurocycle called neurocycle. NeuroCycle and it's on and I've got it one for identity in there so it's it's the whole 63-day process I'll literally give you therapy and then we mm. have mini NeuroCycles it's a mini NeuroCycle guides so like wow. if you're feeling imposter syndrome you can press that I'll give you a NeuroCycle wow. um, identity check I do anxiety whatever so yeah it's really cool we're growing it all the time and I'm building in a neurocycle lab so people can actually get coaching and get coached through different issues which is fun so um, then I'll do so I'll do a bit of brain preparation so I set myself up the kindness all that stuff and then I'll do a bit of brain preparation I love to do the 10 second pause I I write about that in my book and that's just a very common breathing technique but I do it with a bit of quite a lot of difference I breathe in very deeply for seven counts like I mean three counts very deeply like you know the yoga kind of breathing where you really Mm -hmm. move your belly Wim Hof type, you know, yep. breathe, um, where your chest is, and then you breathe out for seven counts, but it also that sort of yoga type breathing where you push. You've got to really rush it out. Um, the extended uh, extended, exte- uh, exhale pushes oxygen to the front of your brain and blood flow to the front of your brain. So I almost have to shake my head because I feel lightheaded. Mm. So that's how intensely I do it. Then while I'm, I'll do the first couple just breathing. Then I add a cognitive dimension and I start saying, think, feel, in the inhalation and then choose in the exhalation. And I do it out loud. So I add in the verbal component to the ex- the actual physical. So now mm. I've coordinated, I've created not just a physiological response, but I've brought mind, brain, and body. I've brought wow. all three responses together. So I've calmed down neurochemistry, I've calmed down blood flow, I've increased blood flow to the brain. I mean, I've done, I can go on and on and on. I've
0: wow. just given
1: my telomeres a boost, which are the ends of chromosomes. I mean, it's just my immune system is now primed. Every, I've given my whole body the message it's okay you -hmm. don't have to be now making stress work for me and not against me so even my blood vessels around my heart would have dilated and that I would have got more blood flow to my brain so immediately I'll feel this pain in my heart immediately because I've now calmed my whole body down because that pain that I feel in my heart is coming from the trauma that's in my mind, the identity trauma in my mind. Anyway, So then then I go into the five steps and then I'll go gather those things like I told you, the four different areas emotional, physical, behavioral perspective then I go very distinctly to step two and and the gathering is like picking apples off a tree. So I don't go stand under the apple tree and just let all these things fall on my head. That's totally overwhelming. I stand back. So visualize yourself standing back and selecting and I do what I can on that day. Sometimes I can only pick maybe just envy that day and maybe just not smiling as much and maybe just um, perspective seemed I I seem to be a bit down or negative things that I don't I'm not as hopeful because I'm a very kind of positive hopeful person but it's not there so maybe I could just handle a bit I don't force myself to do too much in one day Um, and then I'll go to once I've gathered then I take each thing and I okay now I'm going to reflect ask answer discuss what does this mean why 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 and I discuss and ask so I'm starting to find the meaning then I'll write it down so either um, I do it in a metacog and a metacog I started talking about earlier on a metacog is a way of organizing information that looks like a tree I mean literally like a tree grows branches and another branch and another branch every branch is connected to something else you grow branches on a piece of paper and on each branch you write a word or a couple of words or a little phrase but nothing's floating on the page this is so important and you start in the center and you just build you can either go clockwise or anti-clockwise whatever you want to do you can keep it all clockwise and turn your page whatever you want I developed the system about 38 years ago and I've constantly improved wow. it. I would do this with my patients. I would work with people, for example, with personality disorders and using the Metacob technique, we would actually they would be able to see the different personalities and reintegrate them and find the trauma source and that kind of stuff. Mm. It, to get your conscious mind working with your unconscious, to find all the trillions of thoughts that are in your non-conscious mind where they're stored to get that depth because your conscious mind is only working when you're awake but your non-conscious mind's working 24-7 so it forces these five steps going into the metacog which is the third step force this integration and this connection between the conscious and the non-conscious so then I start writing down what I've gathered and what I've reflected on but in this metacog so it's a mess it's just like words all over the place and you literally it on your page and you start seeing things that you can't believe that you i mean every time i do it i'm astounded at what i see then the fourth step is a recheck and i'll go and sit down and i'll look at take color and i'll look at what have i what am i saying here what does this mean and i try and get order i look for triggers and patterns and antidotes big thing is antidotes that's reconceptualizing you said that's a state of antidote or reconceptualized statement earlier on when you spoke about um This morning, the sadness that you felt and you said Mm -hmm. you gave yourself permission to feel the sadness and and your antidote, your reconceptualized version was, it's okay, I'm feeling sad because this is a transition in Mm -hmm. my life and it's okay to feel that. And then you moved on into the day. That's what you look for in step four. You look for what can you, what is the antidote? Yes, you're feeling this because of this. And you start, so as you go through those stages, you start seeing the reasons why, especially step three, starts pulling that reason, the root of why I have this identity thing. And you start saying, wow, I thought I had dealt with it, but I haven't. This is still an issue. I still need that approval because of this. This I still, Why do I need that approval? Do I really? And then you start saying, actually, I don't because of this. So step five, then that builds into step five, which is then a little statement that I'll hang on to for the day. And that's where your gratitude statement or your mm-hmm. positive affirmation or your whatever summary of what you've achieved that day. It could be as simple as, Okay, my identity is being knocked. I'm feeling this envy. It's okay to feel that. And maybe that's your statement. It's okay to feel this. I'm finding the reason why. And that may be all that you do. So, in the app, I would type in it, allows you to um, type in your active reach reminder. You set it to go seven times in the day because it takes, This research shows that if you can see something consciously be prompted seven times at least during the day, you then are putting energy to the positive and taking it from the negative. And so, you're transferring, you're weakening this and you're getting. The, the healthier one's stronger. So you're weakening the toxic, mm. making the healthier one stronger. So I'm now re-energizing and I'm dis- discipline. Big thing is disciplining my mind not to go back and give energy to the toxic pathway, but to actually take energy from it. So it weakens some lying grass to grow over the the worn pathway. And that's what I force myself to hang on to. It's all I allow myself to think of the rest of that day. I always like to have a visual as well. I love white roses and I love the sea, like most people do. So I'll I'll have some image. So it'll be, uh, it's okay to feel envy. There's a reason. And then I'll imagine white roses. So each time my mind wants to go back to this imposter syndrome, this identity, this lack of value, whatever, I say, it's okay to feel envy. White rose, and then tomorrow I'll go further, Mm -hmm. and that's how I do it. So over 21 days, I will do that, and then for 42 days, I'll just go with my final active reach. And I find that I do a big one like that at least once a year. But if I need to do more, I do more. And sometimes all I need to do in between is a quick one-five minute cycle. Oh, hang on, there's a bit of an identity thing here. I can run through and I remind myself. So in the course of the year, I probably do five or six times a year, if not more. Does that help?
0: It's massive and I think identity check is something I feel like all of us should be doing and all the time. constantly adjusting and improving on because what I'm hearing you say is our our belief around our identity is what shapes a lot of our, our mindset
1: oh and then what you're going to say and what you do so what you'll do is if once your identity is sorted out once i do that kind of identity check the big one and then the little ones in between i'll immediately shift in my day to looking at something differently so now i see something that i perspective think I changes sh- yeah absolutely yeah. so something that i think i should have achieved in my business and i'm not achieving it and i compared myself to someone else i suddenly look at that and say no i'm not in- i don't need to compare I'm now enhancing. So I shift from comparison and competition, which is totally toxic. It's Mm. not at all human nature and back to enhancement, which is, oh gosh, that is amazing what that person is doing. Wow. I, I love that for them. And I mean it. And I'm so excited. Now, are that in I enhance them. How does that enhance you? What can I learn, or what what works for my life? What do I have? What do, do I need that exact thing? I can't have that exact thing because that's that person's thing. That's what they've got. That works for their life. That's their. I can't use my measure of of success against their measure. Of it. So I tell them, we know all of that, but you're not going to believe those words. We're very good at saying words if we don't believe. An identity check mm-hmm. takes the words so that wait, you're saying 30, 30 that you again, believe. We're really very good. good. We're very good at saying. The kind of statements I've just said that we don't actually believe, and we try and convince ourselves that's the band aid approach, that's mm-hmm. the positive affirmation approach. So, I, I, I know when I'm saying those statements and I don't believe them, I know I need an identity check. If wow. I can say those statements and I'm genuinely throughout my entire mind, brain, body, if I'm entirely, totally happy for that person's success, and I'm not thinking, Wow, I want it. If give I start me, thinking, give me, give
0: me examples of like feeling jealous or envious about someone else, and Saying I'm happy for them, but not feeling it and believing it.
1: So, let me think of something. So, it's like it's a whole body check. So, I there's been times where I've said, Oh, I'm so happy that that person got a New York Times bestseller. Yeah. And then I say, Hey, but I can feel my body's not there's this, I'm out of alignment here. Then I have to go and do a little identity check and I do it in a quick neurocycle in Then I'll say it again, Okay, I really am genuinely happy that they got. A New York Times bestseller, or they got on the whatever uh, published weekly or whatever the case may be. Um, and and then I check my, my whole mind and body and I can feel actually, yes, I do, it's it's true. There's a whole like an alignment that I feel different and my body feels different. There's like I'm relaxed and, and I'm I'm excited because I now feel that they they I can see that their success is their success and that enhances me. Whatever someone else succeeds in is only to my benefit. Because, Why is that? Because that generates they operating in something that they can do that no one else can do. So if I celebrate that, that's going to they generating a whole bunch of success energy and love energy that's going to hit me and build me up. So I'm, in, and then I in return am building them up. So this is Einstein's work, not that he spoke directly about it, like I'm speaking about it, but he spoke about the. He worked with a, a few people on how we generate photons, and there's been a tremendous advances in that work, especially especially the field of quantum physics. So if you're genuinely happy for someone else, you're going to generate photons. This, we always generate when you're alive. You're generating energy. You and I are generating energy now, even though we separated technologically we impact each other we we've got a relationship going through our connection etc mm-hmm. so we're, we're entangled so we're impacting each other so and it's positive because we're discussing positive things but if you have a toxic relationship with someone the photons that have been generated are toxic so toxic mm-hmm. energy waves the electromagnetic light waves are toxic they're different and they can see that with experience with research now so that's the example of that is if you walk in a room and you know people don't like you you can feel it if someone's, you know, someone's like can't look you in the eye and you just, mm-hmm. you know, the, the way they, they're kind of smiling, but you just know there's something wrong. You can cut the atmosphere with, with a knife. That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It's real. Those are actual toxic energy waves coming from that person's thought in their brain and their mind and their body. They are generating all this energy that is toxic. And that's what you're feeling. It's like having a little BB gun shot at you or pain. Painful, so that's how real it is. And so when we're in the op- when we in our natural wide full up mode, when we're in a, a, a non-destructive mode, we enhance. So it's like two waves. If you think of two waves in the sea, when they when two waves hit each other, they cancel each other, and it's flatline. That's that's competition. No mm-hmm. one benefits. Mm -hmm. But when two waves go underneath each other, there's an enhancement that the wave gets bigger and that's enhancement culture. That's the real bond or connection, deep meaningful connection. So when I'm deeply recognizing my identity is, Hey, I can do something that no one else can do. I don't have to be threatened by that. I'm not competition for anyone. That person's not my competition. That person's my, my, um, what's the word I'm looking for? My, my aid, my support, my, um,
0: Co- uh, collaborator or collaborator? Co- yeah, they yeah.
1: they're on my side. Everyone's yeah. on my side. No. You, everyone, no one is a competition. If we got into that mode, and there's been so much science showing this in in the in there's like there's ancient science on this. You can go back thousands of years and find teachings on this in the ancients in the ancient ancient sort of um, texts and different religions and just ancient texts. And there's been 150 years in, of research in this sort of area but it's not very well accepted in, in sort of the more, um, what can I say, more physical-based science, where it's all about the brain body. Mm-hmm. That's seen as woo-woo stuff. Meanwhile, it's more accurate scientifically than a lot of the current medical science that we see that is supposedly more accurate. So if you look at and you really dissect these studies, so it's very interesting. But it, and, and the more qu- quantum physics, for example, is huge in this, and it's one of the most accurate and fundamental of sciences. So the quantum experimentation is more accurate if you look at the rules of scientific research, then a lot of the classical studies, which is very mm-hmm. interesting. Um, so essentially, what was I going to say? now? What was I saying? I'm relating back to all the, um, in terms of identity, oh, enhancement culture. So yes. enhancement, we, we're so driven by Darwin. And this is obviously good in everything, every philosophy. But Prior to Darwin, there was Lamarckian theory, and I don't want to go into any of this in depth because it's a whole huge area, but essentially it was not that we need to compete. Competition is not really what, breeds success or, or wiping someone out at the expense of someone else. That's never really worked. But if you really look at what's worked, it's if I enhance you, we don't specialize at the expense of others, we specialize at the enhancement of others. Mm. Um, and if you look at the, the the research on bond research and that kind of thing, we we enhance we, we we build each other, we grow as a community. So communities, for example, that are very um, a community focused versus individualistic, they're much more successful in helping people with mental health, with relationships, with peace in the community, with just generally happiness. Um, versus those like our very individualistic American society, which is one of the unhappiest societies in the world, mm. is not there's not enough enhancement. It's all about if you doing well, that's a threat to me. That's absolute nonsense. If you doing well, that's great for me because what that it, means what is you it? are
0: enhancing me. So what does it do when we when we can see someone else? And celebrate their success authentically. What does that do for our our mind, brain. Versus, oh. our brain oh. versus envy and jealousy and resentment and frustration that okay. they're winning or succeeding and you're not at that level or something?
1: Okay, so the easiest way to see what it does in the mind is to think of like when you look at um, QuickTime. QuickTime has all the little little bars going or, or podcasts. That's what the memory looks like in your mind. So in your mind area, it's these waves. So a love wave is generally. Like a sine wave, versus if you versus when you're in any kind of envy and jealousy, it's a very erratic wave. I mean, that goes through your brain. It creates. Neurochemical chaos. So first of all, you've got wow. chaos. So you won't have you won't have enough balance between serotonin, dopamine, and endomide, and the various different chemicals, which then affects the hormone balance, which then affects heart palpitations and cardiovascular function, immune function. So every system of the body becomes disturbed. That's why we feel disturbed throughout our entire body. In the brain, we'll see an increase in, in high beta. High beta. If you think of a wave, when the wave is breaking and you see the white that's high beta in the brain now you're only supposed to have a burst of high beta and then it should crash and settle into into a more gentle wave but if you have a constant tsunami of high beta it creates tremendous and almost sometimes shearing of axons it can actually Mm. damage it can actually cause physical damage to the to the axons because you've got too much of this wrong energy too much of the wrong chemicals and that can create all kinds of distortions that eventually make um Things like tau protein, which is actually a good thing, become a bad thing. And we hear that in Alzheimer's. And so eventually, if we have years and years and years of jealousy envy, the unmanaged mind, we're damaging our brain and cumulatively mm. over the years, we change the neurons, the neuronal structure, the levels of good and bad protein, amyloid beta, which is a very good protein, but in the wrong quantities, it can create memory loss and mm. all that kind of stuff. So eventually, over time, we change the structural integrity of the brain and so it causes brain damage and envy and jealousy do that in a big, big way competition that stress that it causes it creates toxic stress very bad for your heart because it causes constriction of blood vessels Mm. Um, then that's less blood flow to the brain and if you don't have enough blood flow to the brain you become more impulsive you you lose your intelligence you lose your cognitive flexibility you know you'll have instead of having um, lots of waves of high beta gamma flowing from the back to the front of the brain in a balanced way you're going to have a tsunami of gamma in unbalanced ways, that's mm. not good. You're going to have an increase in delta, too much during your conscious. You know, so there's a lot of different patterns that start emerging, and we're learning more and more about this. Um, in as as we as science is advancing, so there's a definite impact. But you can change that. You can reverse that. That's the hope of neuroplasticity of mind directed neuroplasticity. Because neuroplasticity can't happen on its own. It happens run by mind so you direct it Mm. so you can't change that so yeah so it's changeable but it really creates a mess and that isn't going to lead you it's going to lead you to make decisions that maybe will get you to the top in a certain way but the price price you pay in relationships health happiness peace so many people that have got to the top in a competitive way are not happy people and, and people on their deathbed, you ask them what they'll, they'll say. I wish I'd worked on my relationships and love. We designed for enhancement. You can still get to the top. Then I mean, also, be have to define what is getting to the top. Right. Yeah. You know, there's a whole different redefinition needed of that, too. You know, at, this, at the moment, it's how many likes you have on Instagram, how many New York Times bestsellers you have, how many. You know, we've got very, very toxic versions of what success is. Mm-hmm. And that needs to be changed as well.
0: Absolutely. They're very Absolutely.
1: competitive based.
0: I'm, this is fascinating. I'm curious about I'm just thinking about m- a majority of my life where I was competition focused and
1: We grew up in that environment.
0: I th- I actually like competition, but more of like toxic competition maybe where it's yes. where it's like I need to be the best, I need to be number 1, I need to win at all costs, otherwise I don't feel loved and supported and, you know, desirable or whatever it is. I'm all for like, you know, competition and, and bringing the best out of each other.
1: Yeah, that's that's enhancement. You know I mean? That's yeah, not even yeah. competition. That is, yeah. okay, let's enhance each other. Can, let's see who can do the best whatever, create yeah, the exactly. best. Yeah, exactly. And then it's like everything's to be celebrated. But as you are building, so if you shift your mindset and say, okay, we've got a competition here for someone who's going to build the best um, new version of quantum computers, because they're busy trying to do that at the moment. So if instead of it being a competition, let's talk about an enhancement. So Mm -hmm. everyone is throwing everything at it. Let's actually take the vaccine, COVID. the the COVID. If we had more enhancement Mm. versus competition, we would have had a vaccine Earlier and distributed to the poorer countries quicker. Right. But it's the it's the competition and the desire for finance that right. has taken precedent over humanity. And that's an example where you know a lot of the scientists didn't want that. A lot of the scientists wanted to do comp- share each of the so it's not it's what's it's,
0: working with everyone. Exactly.
1: Sharing, yeah. So you've got something to bring to the table, and so do I. You you compete a piece of the puzzle, so do I. So if we put our heads together instead of competing against each other. That's going to lead to success, global humanitarian type success, as opposed to, because it takes one man to make a difference. You know, so it's just, it's how we look at it. It's just like our perspective needs to shift. Yeah. We're getting Uh, deep here. I love talking to you. We we get into all these Really excellent things. It's, called, it's it.
0: called the School of Greatness, Caroline. You know I, I mean? love That's it. School of Average. That's
1: um, no, fantastic. Not that
0: we're competing or needing to be the no, best. No, we enhance each other. Has-
1: greatness, <laughs> greatness means a beautiful thing. It, yeah, it means Absolutely. we are growing. What is it that you bring to the table that I don't? I must tell you a quick story if I may, just about that statement. Years ago when I worked in South Africa, one of the things I did was I trained teachers. I used to work in the apartheid era and the transition. I don't know if I told you this before, but I spent three days a week in apartheid South Africa, working in in the apartheid transition and post when Mandela came to power. And I saw firsthand the impact of terribly evil social structures wow. on humanity. And that's why I chose to do that at the same time as doing my research and working in um, private practice with people that had a lot of money and could afford to see a therapist. Um, and so I… That was one of the best experiences of my life. That's where I learned what I really know about life and about this field that I'm in, because I saw how humanity when they when you, when you put your mind to stuff, you can. It's just incredible. It's school of greatness, honestly, was was that time period. And in I used to train a lot of teachers in the education environment to try and help uplift the terrible education that the black population had been exposed to. So part of my team, we would put. We worked with over 300,000 um, people. We actually reach more, but we would work with teachers and students. And um, one of the projects was 300,000. what we would do is go in and, and train the teachers on how to use their brain and how to learn, how to build their brain, mm-hmm. how to manage emotions, how to just really get the most out of the mind-brain connection, and then how to adapt this into the education system so that you could transfer knowledge more effectively. Because literally, these schools would have one textbook, 100 100 kids. Piece of chalk this size, an old chalkboard that didn't work, and they would get the kids to literally repeat and regurgitate with no mm. understanding. And I remember teaching one of these schools, and I'd always teach identity first. It was the first session mm. when I trained teachers, was identity for themselves, identity for their students, and then I'd go into the techniques. And as I started this, one teacher stood up and he was so aggressive. I'll never forget. He just said, Dr. Leaf, I'm sorry, but you have got it wrong. There is a kid in my class who is so stupid and so difficult that there's no ways that he could learn anything or he could change. And I mean, it was worse than that. He really went on. It was just like a whole mouth full of venom. And I was so dumbstruck and I'm very seldom dumbstruck. And one of the other teachers in the class stood up and said, sir, that child that you say is so stupid can do something that you can't do. And it's your responsibility Trigger that in that child. Wow. I tell you, this was that's nearly beautiful. 25, 28 years ago. It changed me forever. And oh. that's where I started researching identity in a big way in, in, in my work after that. And that's what, what we're talking about here. And we recognize that in other people. And that we, my role is to bring out the best in you. Your role is to bring out the best in me. We change society. It's yeah. not that I'm trying to beat you. It's that I'm trying to bring out the best in you. It's a totally right. different perspective. Absolutely. If we want to be healthier mentally and physically, one of the best things we can possibly do is get several hours of quality sleep every night. The brain and body heal itself when we sleep. It really is one of the most amazing processes, even if you're not conscious when it happens. But I know it's hard to get good quality sleep sometimes. Your mind keeps you awake, life is stressful, and there are often a hundred anxious reasons why you can't fall asleep at night. Thankfully, there are also ways we can improve our sleep quality and overall health, including taking magnesium. Believe it or not, around 75% of people don't have enough magnesium. No wonder so many people have sleep problems. But please do not run to the store to buy the first magnesium supplement you find. Most magnesium supplements use only the two cheapest synthetic forms. And since they're not full spectrum, they won't support better sleeping habits. There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium. And you must get all of them if you want to experience its calming, sleep-enhancing effects. That's why I recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bio-Optimizers. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed and you'll be amazed at how much better you sleep and how much more rested you feel when you wake up. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to www.magbreakthrough.com forward slash leaf and use Doctor Leave 10 during checkout to save 10% on your order. The link and details will be in the show notes.
0: I want to talk about brain building for a little bit before we wrap things up because I know this is something we mentioned a few times. Yeah. And I'm curious, it, when what should we do the moment we realize we're being triggered uh, and feeling a lot of emotions? Should we lean into brain building or is brain building something you do before that?
1: Such a good question. So when I'm very, very emotionally triggered, the first thing I'll do is that 10 second pause. How,
0: how Happen for you? It, yep. It's less
1: and less now. I, I used okay. to get very, I used to get very easily thrown um, because I, I think that intense desire to please. I think you can relate. Mm, um, things would throw me very quickly, and and I would get things under control because I'm very energize a bunny but yeah I, I would get thrown very quickly but I've I I know now if I want to get if I'm in a very challenging situation and I'm very emotionally triggered I will brain ball I will do the 10 second pause because mm-hmm. I've got to get my neurochemistry under control i do it 6 to 9 times so it's about 60 to 90 seconds, which is enough time from the research that I've done and others that have done this, that um, in this field that gets your neurochemistry calm down and your blood flow and everything to a point where you're okay. And then I kind of check, am I calm enough to to kind of move forward? And then I do brain building. And I would do this with all my patients. Just as an as aside note, I never started a session without an identity check. And brain building and then we would dive into the heavy stuff mm. so i always got them in a place in brain preparation i always got them in a place where they were ready to do the work hard work before we did any any you know heavy stuff so then i would and i'll go brain build so i'll go and brain building is essentially using the neurocycle so it's the same five steps but now instead of detoxing identifying and detoxing and reconstructing you're actually just building so it's the same five-step process because the, the NeuroCycle is simply the science of thought. It is how we use our mind to grow stuff in our brain, and it's controlling the process and get stuff out of our brain. That's really what the NeuroCycle is. That's why I say it's a delivery system for doing that. So then you take the take whatever you're interested in, and I'm totally, as, I, as you know, interested in brain science. So I'll take um, every day. I mean, I do this every day. You said, what's my routine? But in that moment, I'll take something like... I'll. I'm always creating podcasts like your solar podcasts and things. So I'm always writing books. I'm always doing journal articles. Um, writing a scientific article is an enormously challenging, mm. extremely difficult thing to do. So anything, any project that I'm busy with like that, I'll go and dive into it. I'll go and either prepare a podcast um, do the do work on a journal article because that requires brain building. It requires me to read complex stuff that I have to read a couple of lines and then I have to stop. So I have to gather the information, which is the read part Gather where we spoke before about gathering awareness. Now I'm talking about gathering awareness in terms of reading that information. I do it out loud and I do it with my pen, literally underlining it because that brings all my senses together. I explained this in depth, by the way, in, the, in this book and also in the app. All the stuff we've been talking about is in the book and the app. Um, then, I, then I'll then go, then I stop and I literally look up and I and I talk out, I, I ask I do the, the reflex step. So I ask, answer and discuss. What have I just read? What does this mean? What's this stuff here? Because you right. can just read and, and then I until I can discuss it and I know, okay, it means this, And when I'm doing that reflex step, I go back in with my pen or my pencil and I circle. I don't underline. I circle. Because when you circle, you get to the key concepts. Mm. The concepts are where the information is stored. We don't recall 100%. We recall conceptually. So you want to build conceptually. Conceptually is where the core information is. It's about 15 to 35% of information. So if you take a simple sentence like, the cat sat on the mat. The cat sat on the mat. Seven words, what is it? Seven words, six words. The concepts would be around about two words, cat mat with an arrow. That's what you want to get to. You want mm. to get to the concept level. So in the reflect step, you are rereading it and circling and asking, answering, discussing and finding. So what you want to circle is 30% max. Then you write that down onto the metacog and you organize it. Yeah. So you organize it and you write it down. And then you go back and say, okay, does this match what I've just read? And then you say yes and you discuss it. Then you go to the next sentence. And that process it totally puts your brain into one of the most highly resilient states that you can get. It calms down your brain, the neurochemistry, the blood flow, it balances the two sides of the brain, increases your gamma activity which, in, in the right way, which is what you want because it pulls stuff from the non-conscious to the conscious, and it also gets you into a state where you are like a sponge to learn. And when you get into that state, your brain goes into a tremendous state of brain health. It's like your brain loves this. It's like mm-hmm. literally your brain is in love with brain building. I should say that in the book. And it's, so you now feel – sense of peace and excitement and mm. wisdom and as I'm brain building suddenly I'll put my often happens as I'm doing the brain building the metacog, the reaching as I'm doing that suddenly I'll get to a point that ah that's the solution and I feel it's a sense of peace and I can go and handle that situation so I've trained myself to do that I don't as far as possible try and solve the crisis unless you have to solve it on the spot but I try to always stand back and say okay I need a bit of time I'm going to go and calm down. I'm going to go and do
0: mm-hmm.
1: even this kind of thing that we're doing now is, yeah. is brain building, brain
0: building, yeah. learning, because learning. It's yeah. learning.
1: And it's very, dist- and it's if, and if you look in my, in my book on t- chapter 14, I actually have my daily routine. I don't know if you want to talk about that now in another thing, but brain building is one of the first things I do in the morning. So, and I do it. Yeah. Through the day.
0: What is, um, what's the best thing to do for yourself at night to, to clean out the mental mess?
1: So the best thing to do at night is to start in the morning. So when you wake up, it sets the tone for the day. So you want don't, to get – Don't memory. have a
0: negative attitude in the morning. Yeah.
1: Catch it early. Catch it early and then catch it during the course of the day. So mm-hmm. sleep prep starts in, in the AM and you've got to do a check-in at lunchtime as well. So I do that every day. So it, it really does – it starts – I mean, I wake up and I check immediately self-regulate, immediately mind-manage what's my mood, what's my mindset. And if it's complaining or negative or I'm worrying, mm-hmm. I catch it immediately. I work out why. I do a quick neurocycle in my – it takes me two minutes. I do it so quickly. I immediately go into brain with my coffee obviously I will do some brain building even if it's 15 minutes Mm -hmm. and then I will start you know getting ready and doing the detoxing then during the course of the day, I'll take periods where I'll do thinker moments. And thinker moments are where you activate what we call the default mode network in your brain, which is very important to restore energy, restore balance, just to reset. We've got to reset. And the thinker moment, you can reset in a few seconds. And it's great to have a 10-minute block if you can during the course of the day, preferably in the sunshine if you can. And all you do there is daydream. You literally close mm. your eyes, switch off to the external, switch on to the internal, and just let your mind have a bit of a rest. And that is very, very powerful. There's tons more I can say about that, and it is in the book. But that's like another two-hour discussion. But it is so powerful. Hmm. Thinker moments are unbelievably restorative. So I make what do you call true, it? What moments? Think, thinker moments. Thinker moments. Thinker, think as in T H I N K E R. Thinker. thinker.
0: Thinker moments. Thinker yeah. moments. Sorry, you're <laughs> like an American over here.
1: Um, yeah, there we go. I have to go American. Thinker. <laughs> you gotta go
0: to the Dallas. Dallas. Uh, yeah,
1: I'll have to get the. Well, I did think two her. English. Is so it thinker?
0: Thinker. Yeah, yeah. thinker, thinker. <laughs> so that's thinker just moments, yeah.
1: The, it's, it's basically switching off to the external, switching on to the internal, mm-hmm. allowing thoughts to move through your mind, daydreaming. You find out then what's going on. What are you actually thinking about? What's dominant? Mm-hmm. What are the patterns? Phenomenally powerful. And that's another whole long discussion. But I make sure that I do those frequently and I try and take a 10-minute break in the middle of the day where I do that. And then at nighttime, before I go to sleep, I will, there's other stuff I do it's in the book but it's in that chapter 14 but just before I go to sleep I will make sure I do a whole check also using the neurocycle what are my emotions what are my signals mm. what am I thinking of what am I reflecting on and get order and then okay this is what worrying me this is worrying me this is worrying me I'm feeling this I'm feeling that so I do the neurocycle and I get to the active breach. where okay I can't fix this now, but this is what I can do. Type it in my phone. I'll do this tomorrow. I'll do this. This is a solution here, that there. So I get my little solutions. It takes me five minutes and I calm down and I'll watch a movie like Friends or something. That's been my obsession lately is watching mm-hmm. it, Friends <laughs> before bed or something fun, relaxing, and you know, then fall asleep. And, that, it, and then, as, as I said earlier on, I'm busy now with starting setting up a, a research study, Um on dreams and how you can actually, there's a lot of research showing how you can actually prepare yourself for dreaming Mm. because dreaming is restorative and you're learning more and more about dreaming. And so I want to start doing that because you can actually, especially people that battle with night terrors and, and, and night paralysis and and nightmares. And because it's all just your mind processing because your mind's processing during the day. So it's to try and help people find more information there and whatever, but I always find that helps to prepare myself for sleep.
0: That's beautiful. And if, If you guys want us to do another episode on dream states, then leave the hashtag dreams below as well in the comments on YouTube, just so we can see how many people are interested in that. Again, put a hashtag relationships. You want to learn more about that. Uh, this has been fascinating. I'm, I'm, Hopefully next time we can do it in person. If you're coming to LA, we let yes, you in person. it'll be
1: so nice. And you've got to come on my podcast as well. We've got we'd to, care. to. We just we can just keep the series going. I mean, your mind yours, mind, yours, mine, yours, mine, yours, mine, Seriously, it <laughs> it's just so great. I have the best discussions with
0: you. It's been beautiful. We've covered a lot today, and I want to I want to wrap things up here. Um, but if we could, uh, if if someone could pull one thing from this, we t- we covered a lot. But if we could do one thing where they can implement moving forward, just one thing. Or one thing they could think about differently to help improve the quality of life. What would that one thing be based on what we talked about?
1: I would say to understand the concept that your mind is not your brain and your mind changes your brain. And that based on that, what I've been saying throughout this interview, you can't change what's happened to you, but you can change what's happening in you. Mm -hmm. You have that power. And I think just that awareness, if people can start developing that awareness, they get autonomy and empowerment. They're on the pathway to empowerment.
0: That's beautiful. You've got an incredible book. It's been uh, spreading all over the world in a, in a beautiful way. It's called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, Five Simple Scientifically Proven Steps to Reduce Anxiety, Stress, and Toxic Thinking uh, that people can dive into. It's extremely practical, but it's got all of the neuroscience and the research backing everything on how you can apply these simple steps into your life. Under these stressful, you know, overwhelming moments that we all have faced and uh, hopefully give you a lot more clarity and peace. So make sure you guys get a few copies of the book. It's powerful. I really like it. Cleaning up your mental mess. Also, I'm excited to check out your app, uh, Neurocycle. I haven't downloaded it yet. So I'm going to download it right after this. Make sure you guys download the app. that's in the app store. I'm assuming. And yeah.
1: iTunes, else. Google play. Yeah. It's all over the so place. And get it keeps getting updated. So yeah.
0: And you're the, you're the voice, huh? You're the yeah, one. Who's I'm
1: the voice. It's my creation. It's my baby. I do all of it. So it's no no
0: one else it's amazing. I, mean, I have
1: a team of engineers, obviously, but I do all the talking. do the and content,
0: the, yeah. The content, so, so, yeah. So we can download NeuroCycle, uh, the app, and also your podcast, which is "It's Clean Up the Mental Mess.
1: Yeah, same, same name as the book.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Lots of more great stuff there. Uh, we also had another interview that has blown up over on YouTube and on audio, so if you guys want to listen to that or watch that, we'll link it up as well. And I asked you your three truths and your definition of greatness the last time. So if you guys want to hear what those are, make sure you go check out the previous episode as well. And um, I want to acknowledge again, Dr. Caroline Lee for, for showing up so brilliantly. You've got decades, almost four decades of wisdom and research and case studies and experience in this field. And it's so powerful the way you explain it, the way you articulate it, the way you simplify challenging concepts that seem so overwhelming with examples, with models, with, you know, props. You're just making it easier for for people like myself to understand how to manage our mind and master our mind. So I appreciate and acknowledge you for the gift you are in this world. And I'm excited to do more of this with you and help more people together. Um, Thank you
1: so much. It's very kind of you. Thank you. Of of
0: course. Uh, My final question for you is what's the thing that you hope to improve more in in your life the rest of this year
1: i have to get a mastery of it being able to help people see the importance of mind and Mm. understand mind so diving into more research studies, finding easier ways to explain this, because I just know if we can get people to understand how their mind works and how to manage it, we're going to have a better world. We're going to start being able to get these social constructs and things that are damaging the world, like racism and just the competitiveness and the hatred and the wrong narratives around mental health that are damaging so many people. I just want people to be able to shift. So that's really, I'm so driven to get that message through, so thank you for there being able to do, helping me to do that. So, and I, by the way, think you're amazing. I mean, what you've gone through and how you've turned that around and how you express yourself—you're you're phenomenal. You really. Thank
0: are. you, thank you. Always learning, always growing. I appreciate it. I see that. Well, Dr. Cool. Caroline Leaf, thank you so much for being here. I was always excited to have you back on. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you.